Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chance of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Grant. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Ricky Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We've returned in 2016 for another episode to review Prince's latest album release entitled Hit and Run Phase 2. Of course, Hit and Run Phase 1 came out middle of 2015, and Hit and Run Phase 2 was released on the 12th of December 2015 on Tidal, and we're going to go in on this album and talk about every song as we always do on the Peach and Black show. So, before we get ahead of ourselves, uh, let me introduce the panel. It is, of course, Player. We smash guitars and shatter glass. Toe Jam. We are internet beauties and everybody wants to hack us. And Captain. Get up! Get up! <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what track that was from. Uh, and it's me, MC. So, uh, the crew is back to give their intellectual musical thoughts about the music contained within this album. And uh, we're going to go straight into our track-by-track review, I guess, because there's 12 songs on this. But just really quick, anyone out there have any comment about, uh, not about the album overall necessarily, but just anything to do with this release? You know, it was released... It was a surprise! (laughs) Nobody knew, it just went bang! It really was hit and run. Just came out of nowhere. And they ran away. Yep. And it was also interesting that Phase 1 came out originally just as a streaming thing. And yet this one you could buy straight up. Hmm. You could actually pay for a download rather than having to just stream it. So that was good. So some of us have streamed this, some of us purchased it, but all of us have heard it. So let's get right into the music. I mean, this is pretty... The only other thing really to mention is this is pretty much a continuation obviously, of this hit-and-run phase one, two, or whatever you want. You know, this is phase two. We don't know how many phases there are going to be. We don't know if this is the last one. We don't even know if we're halfway yet. There could be five phases. For all we know, the phases may never end. But what we're going to talk about is (laughs) phase two. (laughs) We're going to talk about phase two and the music contained within it. So let's start off with track number one, which is Baltimore... We discussed this and reviewed this last year, back in 2015. So here's our review of Baltimore. Yeah, so for me, the song Baltimore is Resolution Part 2. I'm really not a fan. There's nothing redeeming about it. 
outside of the fact that the message is positive and, well, it's commendable. I think he's making a really good point. And, you know, anything that brings awareness to a situation one way or, the, or another is good. Uh, what do you guys think? Toje? Um, when it first came out, I was like <laughs> ho-hum. Um, but I, I actually... <laughs> What's Captain laughing? Because anytime Toe starts a review with that high, um, you know, <laughs> you know how it's going to go. <laughs> um, well, I don't No, I actually, um, I think this is a bit of a sleeper, you know, I really like the, the second version. The first version that came out is, is clearly demo, you know, it's pretty raw. There's not much there. And the new version with all the horns and strings, I really love that middle section with that the guitar solo. They basically take the guitar solo from the original and orchestralize it. And that sounds really cool, that part. And then they add the guitar in, and that's really good. The young girl doing the vocals, Erin Allen Kane, I think her name was, sounds nice and fresh and young. So I'm not going to overdo it. <laughs> that sounded incredibly <laughs> I said the vocals sounded fresh, you know, and like not like some old, you know, it doesn't sound like Mavis Staples as well. But I mean, like, <laughs> Mavis Staples you know, like... is good. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, she is, but like it's a different sound, you know. Mavis um... Staples is coming after you, by the way, after that. <laughs> like a dog in heat. <laughs> Get your house in order. <laughs> that song where she's like, you ain't done the homework. You ain't going to school. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so like her vocal she does a good job on the vocal nice stuff throughout it i'm not a big fan of the chant the chant sounds a little bit sort of cheesy but i like the way the the vocals are simple they're not too specific in this case it's basically a positive song and i like the fact like he could have done a real sad angry minor song but he, he likes to do these major chord songs for this like um sst was another one you know where the tragedies happened and Prince puts out like a, this nice little major key song. You know, you, you expect him to do something the opposite. So I like the way he does that. So I, I think it's a bit of a sleeper, this one. It's better than a lot of people think. But it's not, it's not great. Let's not go too far. Okay. Uh, Captain. This song, I think it's hard. If you really wanted to slam this track, it'd be hard just because of the situation that the song is about. The intention, yeah. So uh, how do I go? Overall, I'll just say it, it really wasn't as strong a track as I thought it was going to be. I was expecting a song with, you know, with more passion, even possibly angst, anger or something to some extent. But I was expecting a colonized mind or something like that. Mm. I have to admit, yeah, it was something along the lines of that or Sign of the Times or something a bit more punchy. But yeah, it it comes across, well, the initial version as well comes across a very lightweight. But then today I was thinking about this. Now, I haven't said many great things in this history of this podcast, but this is probably not one of them either, <laughs> to be honest. But I'll give it a go. I'll give it a that's go good, anyway. That's open, that has to open the show. Why start now? It's been six and a half years. Just keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, I haven't said a lot of things that weren't total garbage, but this could be one of the better ones in regards to this song lacking, maybe not passion, but any anger. Maybe that's the point of the whole thing and the whole situation that it was about is not to respond with anger, but yeah. be all peace and love and Ringo Starr. But anyway, that's all i got to say. <laughs> but any sort of protest song or song about events, not that there's a lot of song about events like this, but they usually have, you know, some, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. They've got like some fire in the belly, you know, there's something there. 
but this just doesn't seem to have it. I think li- lyrically, it's lyrically, it's making some good points, but I think musically, maybe it doesn't uh, stack it's, up. It's just a bit la li la. It sort of yeah. it reminds me of Cinnamon Girl a bit too. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. You said it's Resolution Part Two. Mm. I've got written here. It sounds like a Planet Earth outtake. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty close. That is very close. And we don't share notes before the show, no. so that's interesting. Yeah, you've got a few chants. The guitar solo drops in. It's a really nice tone on the guitar solo. It sounds really good. I'll give it that. And that guitar solo on the original track, it's almost a, it's a full minute long, which is nice. You don't always get that. Mm. And I'm guessing it Prince. It's Prince. It sounds like him. The bass comes in around 347. There's some nice harmonies. But overall, it just seems to be lacking any emotion, not just anger or passion, it seems not to have anything behind it. It's yeah. it's like a wet dog or something to me. I don't, I don't even know what how to say it. It just seems like there's not anything there. Now, I don't want to doubt like play. I don't want to doubt the motivation behind the track because you know we don't know, and I don't want to suggest he was in any way taking advantage of the situation because we don't have a clue. But I was just really expecting a stronger track for an event like that. Yeah. It's inspired by that event. I was expecting a stronger track. And having heard both the original and the track with the added strings and everything, I'm not sure which one I like more. I like both. The strings seem to make it even more lightweight because they're sort of really poppy and just all flying around. And I don't think that's what this song needs. I think it needs to be more serious. They almost seem like comedy-like in parts. And normally I would like that, but not on this track. Which yeah, is not I, a comedy song. I admit it's a little odd. It is. It sounds lightweight. I I feel like it's got its heart and its intention in the right place, and it brought a lot of attention to to what happened over there, and also to the event on the day, the benefit concert. But yeah, the song itself, nothing wrong with it. But yeah, may, maybe maybe not as impactful as it could have been for, for whatever that's worth. But the strings are okay. I mean, they they fill out the track. But sometimes space is a good thing as well. Mm. It doesn't always have to be filled. And we know Prince, well, most of his career was a master of space in his music. Hopefully he hasn't lost that skill. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Just a um, um, final point on that. The horns is uh, the horn heads. Uh-huh. The deck. Cool. There you go. And I think they were on the Andy Allo album, but I, th- I think that's the first Prince song they've been on for a while. Anyway, All right. maybe I'm, I might be wrong. Maybe there's some uh, more horn heads to come. Ooh, that's always good. Player, what are your thoughts on the song Baltimore? Well, it was announced that Prince was releasing this a week before it actually got released. And when I heard the subject matter of the basis of the song, I instantly thought it'd be kind of like you guys. Like, I was thinking more in the vein of public enemies fight the power. You know, this sort of uprising call to arms against injustices. But this is completely different from that. It's more peaceful, reflective in nature, which is fine. Like, you know, but I think confining the issues that we've seen on the news in the you know, last 12 to 18 months to something specific as Baltimore kind of misses the mark. He could have made it more general to make it resonate nationally and globally, the way D'Angelo or Kendrick Lamar's works have been addressing the same social issues with their latest releases. However, like, I'm with you guys. I think it's a noble gesture to do a song, and obviously it's something that's inspired him to put pen to paper and instrument to tape. So it just seems it borders too much on the happy side for me, just like Captain. And, um... Musically, I've got the same thing in my notes here. It sounds like ref, uh, Reflection or Line of Judo or those last three songs on Planet Earth album. I do like the strings. They're a nice addition to the first edition that came out. 
there's some complex sort of little stuff in there with the strings and horns sort of into intertwining with each other. It's kind of cool. So overall points on the gesture and the song isn't bad, but it's kind of just a bit underwhelming for me. Well, one right. thing one thing we don't know, no matter what anyone says, is this could have easily been an outtake from Planet Earth with the word, you know, and he's just changed the lyrics. Who knows? Well, we'll, we'll probably never know. Mm, I don't know, because, like, you know, he's got some very specific stuff in there about Freddie Gray and that yeah, stuff. Yeah, like- obviously the lyrics are rewritten, but that the song itself, that just just say it was an instrumental, that could have been, you know, 2007, Maybe. who knows? And then he's just like, oh, well, I've written these lyrics about this thing. Oh, yeah, that track will do it. Just change that a bit around. There you go. Yeah, who, who knows? knows? I mean, one thing is he didn't have to put this out, and he did, and it, and it brought some awareness. So, like I said, without sounding like a broken record, it mm. certainly... Um, well, not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with him using music from an old track. Who I don't care. Mm. But, you know, obviously the lyrics are written specifically for this. Yeah. But the music might not have been, because it sounds so much like all three of us have said planet earth planet yeah. earth yeah now that can't be just coincidence that we all think that mm. but the other thing is like player said it's such a specific song he could have gone more general i don't know if it, i mean obviously he mentions freddie gray but the rest of the song it's not that specific it's more just general there won't be peace if there's no justice and um, but then, then you know, we live to see a better day and all this sort of stuff yeah, but then don't call the song Baltimore then. And say yeah. Baltimore about 23 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it could have because been. like like I said, like in the news, like you're seeing this. I think this sort of thing that's happening in America is like stuff that these sort of social issues, they've, they've always experienced this all the time. The difference is now is people have, you know, mobile phones in their pockets. They can film this stuff. It's more instantaneous. It's more global. And so people are like, you know, more aware of it now. And like, you know, before, you know, if a police officer was doing police brutality, like, you know, you would never see it because they would just cover it up and, you know, it would never get out and people wouldn't believe you and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I think that is always been there, but it's just now it's just, you know, you see this girl, you know, out the front of her yard in her bikini and this cop's just like throwing her to the ground and, you know, mishandling her and, you know, it's just, it's because like the cameras are there on people's phones to capture this stuff. So it's always been there. But like these sort of instances, it's not just, you know, it's all over across America. All I can say is, yeah, police must really hate camera phones. They must, yeah. <laughs> More but, than I mean, anything like, ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the thing, like to do it specifically to the Freddie Gray instance, like, you know, there's... I think there was, you know, like with Prince of the Grammys, you know, he was talking about Black Lives Matter. I mean, that's that's probably a better maybe title mm. for a track. You know, having a, tr- a track called Black Lives Matter and then maybe addressing the subject matter. You know, like his song Race, like on the Come album, you know, it's it's more like a general thing about that, that subject, you know, mm. which is sort of more a universal thing than just saying specifically about this Baltimore inc- incident, you know. Yeah, I guess for for us living in Australia as well is, I don't know about you guys, but we are so far removed from what happens in the United States that it's also, although it's easy to comprehend the message and get a feel for what the song's about and what's going on over there, it is also difficult to really kind of, at least for me, get a handle on what actually is going on. You know, there's so much talk, there's so much controversy, there's so it's being reported at, from so many different angles, and it's a pretty tragic 
you know, these are these are all tragic events, right? None of them are. There's nothing good about any of this, really. So it's a, it's a difficult subject matter at the best of times. Yeah, it is. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a song about what happened. But yeah, what, is it? I, I, I don't know. Well, maybe not about what happened, but it's a song about. Yeah, I don't even know. I it's a song know. about getting. I think he's just. I think over he's trying that to say. Situation or yeah, I think he's trying to say just a way to solve. Stop doing it. Be peaceful. It's like a rally for peace. Oh. (laughs) So those were our reviews. Has anyone's opinion changed about the song or has it pretty much remained the same? Anything new to say about this one? On the album, I'm really not thinking about the topic of the song. Whereas when it just came out as a single, that was the whole focus of, you know, what it was about. But now it's just an album track, even though it was still a single. I don't see it that way anymore. It's just like the album opener and I'm like, oh yeah, that song. I don't think about what's going on, you know, the, the, the lyrics and what he's talking about. It's just, yeah, it's that song that starts the album. So in that way it's changed, but that's about it. My opinion hasn't changed of the song, but having it on the album has sort of changed something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to think, um, Sign of the Times, you know, that, that's a protest song as well, of sorts. Mm-hmm. And are there any other albums that start straight up with that kind of song? I can't think of one at the moment. So that's interesting. I don't know if it really works as an album opener, opener to be honest. It's sort of, it's really hard to say. I'm going to say this a lot with this album. What do I think of this album as an album? I'm really struggling to answer that question because so many of the songs are songs that I've already known for a while. So I don't know if this really works as an album opener. I don't hear it as an opener, but it is an opener now, apparently. So, um, my thoughts on the actual song haven't changed. I think it's a good, solid song. I like the instrumental bits. It's good. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> we were all it's good. thinking the it's same pretty thing. good. <laughs> so my thoughts on, on the song are... Uh, what they were last year. The only thing I will say is that I don't think it's a particularly good album opener. I think the album works better without it. And again, I have to... <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Sequencer MC. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guys know? There will be a Rob S sequenced version of this album that will be coming out in the next week or so. I've been playing around with the songs. I've got it down to eight or nine tracks. I think it's nine tracks as opposed to 12. Sequencing is a little bit different and it just flows like a beauty. So Okay, so you haven't added anything? I haven't added anything. I never do. Because there's a few songs you could add. I know, I know, but I, I'm, I'm all about taking what I'm given. And then taking it away. And taking some away and sequencing <laughs> So uh, watch out for that, ladies and gentlemen. But no, no new thoughts about it other than this album would flow better, I think, conceptually, content-wise, without this song on it. I think this is better as a charity song, as a social march song, as a protest song, maybe as a one-off single. I think it has more power that way, but that's just me. It's like it's like if he put out an album and, you know, don't take it too seriously, not to the, that extent, but it's like he put out an album and, like, the first track was Purple and Gold. It's like, no, that song is not meant for that, mm. you know? It's meant to do its thing by itself, not this. That's also a protest... Purple and Gold is actually also a protest song, but a in, a different, in a different thing, way. It? It's yeah. it's us protesting against its release. <laughs> so, um, A couple of things. Yes, player. First of all, for those people wondering why it's taken us so long to review this, it's because MC's been trying to figure out the sequencing for it. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all... Did you read the quote from Title the day it was released, MC? Uh, the song or the album? The album. No, I didn't. 
the hit and run phase two release quote was the album was meticulously crafted over a four year period, gradually adding songs until the sequence was perfected and ready for release. <laughs> Surely that's a thing for you, man. That has to be. That has to be. And he's already, already he's already pulled three songs off it. Oh my god. <laughs> it took them four years. It's taken me not even four days to resequence it and it already sounds better. <laughs> Could you imagine that Spenny's being I don't know, whoever at the Prince or Prince's camp they're spending four years putting all this out oh, does that work together? Does that work together? Does that work together? They finally put it out and MC's like, nah, it's got the first song. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> we've got to have some fun with it uh, my opinion of Baltimore is the same it's underwhelming like I'm torn with this track on the one hand I respect the gesture he's doing the intent behind the song and everything but on the other hand it does really resonate with me the way it universally could and I'm, I, I, I'm with Toejam on this it um, doesn't really work as an album opener and with that we proceed to our famous world famous <laughs> official unofficial Peach and Black podcast fan vote yes so we have 12 checks on this album Baltimore came in at number 12 last yes The Love Box got 18% and Like was 4513 so combined total is sixty three point nine. So that is still higher than a lot of phase one's tracks. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what I was gonna say. Nothing's all lost on Baltimore because it yeah, rates more than half than the uh phase one tracks. So sixty three point nine is pretty good as a combined total. But on this album it doesn't really rate that much of people so don't that, really think much of it. So that really goes with the comments of people saying it's not a great album opener when people have said it's the worst song on the album. <laughs> it comes in at last. You yeah. wouldn't usually put your Worst track is the first track. Anyway, well, ask him. See, he'll tell you where it fits in the in this grand scheme. <laughs> I'm sure it's gone. Who know, Who knows? It was meticulously crafted and <laughs> sequenced. So <laughs> over a, over a four day period. Who am I to argue? So track number two is another song that we have discussed previously. It is entitled "Rock and Roll Has Love this- Affair." So I don't think we reviewed this song when it was released like 10 years ago, did we? Well, we, I don't think we did an in-depth review. Maybe Not we probably, did. Yeah. Who knows? Well, let's have a quick chat about it. I vividly remember talking about this back in late 2012, I want to say. But um, I think we may have talked about it in one of our shows about nothing or something else. But I don't think we ever actually did a full proper review. But I could be wrong. Well, okay. here we go. Well, yeah, that's right. Let's get into it. Let's have a quick chat about Rock and Roll Love Affair. The version that is on Hit and Run Phase 2. Wop, wop, Wally Bear. And start us off, Captain. I made a joke a while back about Fall in Love Tonight being released as the lead single for an album 18 months before its release. The only conclusion I can come to is Prince obviously heard this and he had to beat his own record. This was released as a single just over three years before the album was released. Now, that that's an advanced single. That's That's some... Foresight? Thinking ahead? (laughs) He was thinking that far ahead. Well, hang on. What was released first, this or Extra Lovable? Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, okay. There's there's things to say about that too. (laughs) It's been so long, I can't remember. (laughs) I like to call this song Wop Wop Wally Bear because that's what it sounds like. You know, at the end where it's like rock, rock, love affair, (laughs) I just say (laughs) Wop Wop Wally Bear. It's great. So much better when you sing it that way. Anyway, I like the guitar. I like the synths. 28 seconds in, you got that little country guitar riff. 
there's some nice uh, acoustic guitar you can hear. You can really hear it about 40 seconds in. Okay, it, lyric. I listened to a lyric. Classic Prince lyric. I can't remember the first bit, but it, it's tight, but I think I'll fit you in. That, that is, that's classic 80s Prince lyrics. This is 2015. Oh, well, whenever this was written. Point, let's a few just years out, ago. Let's just point out that that's Andy singing that line and not Prince. So I just want to make, <laughs> make yeah. that really clear. Well, I didn't, I didn't mean that, but yes. Actually, in this album, there are a lot of references to Andy's... You know, an extra lovable how it goes, in between your brow. Yes. And uh, I was going to say, so in this album, there's a lot of references to Andy Allo's... <laughs> and here's another one. <laughs> I love the sound effects on this album, especially that one. But see, that lyric, that is such a throwback Prince lyric. That's the sort of thing he used to write. You know, that reminds me of the Vicky Wading Cathedral joke lyric. It's just, it's good stuff. 205, you got a bit of nice horn work in there, and his guitar in the background as well. As for his vocals, I find them a, a little bit on the weak side for my liking. And I, I know I know screaming, like, shut this down, wouldn't really work on this track. Or maybe it would, who knows? But that's just my purely personal preference. Uh, I think the horns, are, are the horns new on this version, or were they on the previous version we'd already heard? There were horns on the previous one, but this has new horns on it. Like horns. it sounds like it's well, it, it's the same lines, but they're being they're beefed up a bit more. Oh, they're redone. Yeah. It's 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 reloaded, rebeefed. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the horns they definitely add to this track, I think, and and it makes it fit in with the general thing of this album. Is it's it's a horn horns a palooza horns everywhere. <laughs> but I like this song. It's a great lightweight. Oh, I don't know if I should say great. It's a good lightweight pop track. I like it. Okay, with that, let's get a player. What are your thoughts on Rock and Roll Love Affair on this album? Yeah, um, I'm talking about this track too. It's kind of got that vibe. If if you threw it in a mixtape for a road trip, it would kind of suit that vibe. But it's too straighty 180 for my liking. It's got those countryfied guitar licks in them. The horn lines are really nice. The orchestra is really low in the mix, and it adds some nice color to the track. Like Captain said, the lyrics are cool. The it's tied up, but I can fit you in. Has that clever implied naughtiness. But overall, I like Prince music with a bit more cutting edge, and to me, this is too middle of the road for my liking. I really prefer that Remix 7 version. Have you guys heard that? That one has got yeah, more yeah, drive and intent yeah. behind, the, behind the track. I, think I really like prefer a, that version better. I think, and don't quote me on this, but it might be a, a quicker tempo as well, maybe? It is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like it, yeah. Yeah. That one I really prefer over this one, so. All right. Toe Jam, thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I actually really like this song. Uh, when I, when I, f- I remember first hearing this years and years ago, back when I was a wee lad, and I remember thinking a bit underwhelmed as, back in the as old Play was saying, it's a, yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit pedestrian. Um, but actually, this is one of the songs I really like of this decade. Um, I think it's smooth. I like the fact that it's just a simple sort of story song. Uh, it's really a great road song. Um, it's got that 1999 rhythm. Uh, but it also reminds me a lot of Take Me With You, that same sort of uh, outdoor yeah. on the road sort of vibe. It's those synths again. It's it's those synths every time. It reminds of yeah. your 99, Take Me With You. It's, it's the same thing. It's that Mixolydian 3 to 4, major, you know, that sort of thing going yeah. on. This is a slightly different version. It's an There was a longer version that was released as a single. I think it was like five or six minutes. And uh, this one is like four minutes or something. So it's a slightly edited version, and there's more horns beefed up, as we were saying, so it's a bit different. I think this would have made a good album opener. I, I like this song. 
it's a good song. And there's a lot of Andy Allo, Andy, Andy Allo on this album, uh, all jokes aside. And this is the first one she appears on. And I think the song is basically, it's actually fairly true to what it is. Like, it's Prince talking about meeting Andy Allo, this, you know, this young girl who wants to go to Hollywood and everything. And he's this rock star. And stars collide and things come together and and this was the song this is the song about it so uh, it's a rock and roll love affair so i think i think it's a good song i think it's really solid and very listenable it's the kind of song that can come up when you're listening to songs in in your car with other people and you don't feel embarrassed that it's prince singing some <laughs> yes you're not weird song about about um you know i don't know banished ones or, or something like this <laughs> the pharaohs <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh silly man funny. what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> oh god. What is this crap? Well, I uh I think this is a solid pop song, but again, it's keeps reminding me, especially the and I think I mentioned this a few years ago when we first heard it, but I can't get past those 1999 synths. They sound so similar. They just keep reminding me of 1999 and I, I I find it hard to listen to this song without thinking of 1999. And I'm like, what song am I listening to? Is it Rock and Roll Love Affair? Is it 99? I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, there are plenty of other differences, but I just can't get 1999 out of my head whenever I'm this so comes confused. on. I'm so confused. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, look, not a lot to say about this other than this is different from the original version or the originally released version back in 2012 to my ears with the horns and I think you guys have mentioned that. So the arranging is a little bit tighter. It's a little bit denser. It just feels like a fuller song and it's got a bit more bounce to it. I'm with player though. I do like the remix. I can't remember whether it's seven or whether it was something else, but there's a remix that's really, really, it's got a better groove, a better jive to it than this one does, but that's about it. I mean, it's nice, you know, the, the interplay between Prince and Andy with their vocals and what they're talking about in the lyrics is it's clever to a degree. It's but but again, it's that typical Hollywood, you know, young girl in, in a new in a big old new in a big new town, don't know what to do, meets, you know, famous rock star takes her under his wing. And we know that that's probably what happened in real life, uh, or that that's what it appears to be. So the song actually makes sense. Like it's about something. It's not necessarily about something um, fictional so that that kind of gives it a bit more weight but other than that nice little pop ditty and um, moving on survey result before we move on <laughs> let's go to the let's go to the survey result player what is it so for rock and roll love affair the love button got 34.59 percent ticks like was 44.14 percent combined totally 78.73 which makes it eighth out of 12 eighth. i really want to know what yeah. number it would have come had no one heard it before. It just came out of this album, like, like the next track. Yeah. It'd be interesting. We'll never know, yep. So, track number three on this album is 2Y2D. What does that mean, you ask? Uh-oh. It stands for Too Young to Dare. And uh, again, another, I want to say old song, but it was recorded probably three or four years before it was released. At least we haven't explicitly spoken about this in detail. So let's get to it. I'm going to hand it over to Toe Jam. Start us off with your review of Too Young to Dare. It is a good song, Too Young to Dare. The title's always reminded me of a Jamiroquai song, Too Young to Die. Um, and it's a very different song, so it's kind of a pointless reference. The intro always reminds me, or that, that horn line, duh, 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 it always reminds me of Shake Your Tail Feather. 
Just those first three notes. There's something about this song that I really don't like, and it grates on my ears every time I hear it, and that is that annoying synth flute. To me, the song is a minor key song, and then that silly synth flute comes in on that major three. And it's just like, what's that doing there? It's It doesn't need to be there. I reckon the song would be better without it. Other than that, not much else negative to say. Um, maybe it's, it's it always seems a bit low in the mix. I always find myself having to turn it up when this song comes in compared to the first two songs. I like the groove, the driving bass. There's a bit where Prince sings, she's got, and it always reminds me of the song The Glamorous Life. There's a reference that has that as well. She's got something, something, something. You have Shelby, Liv and Eliza doing their three-part harmonies throughout the song. Uh, which indicates roughly when this was recorded a few years ago. Andy Allo's in there as well in the verses, doing some background stuff. It's very tight, the whole song. The horns are tight, the drums are tight. Uh, tight turnarounds leading up to verses and choruses. Uh, I really like the lyric, uh, she's got legs so long, um, she never climbs stairs. I like that lyric because I never climb upstairs like just one step at a time. I'm always like doing two or three steps at a time. And I'm like, yeah, that, that that's a cool reference to tall people like myself. I like it 248. Uh, you think the song's going to start winding into the big ending jam, but it keeps going on a new verse. So I like the fact it's got you know a good number of verses in it. Um, so this is a good, tight, solid song. This would be a good live song, I think. It's not earth-shattering. It is possibly a little bit skippable, but it's a solid song. A good for a track three, I guess. Uh, and that's my thoughts on Too Young to Dare. Captain, give us your views on Too Young to Dare. So you've got this sort of... I don't know, the start of this, it's it's sort of like a James Brown thing, but then it also sounds like Proud Mary or something. I don't know. Then nine seconds in, straight into, you know, one of the best grooves he's done in ages. That bass is just relentless. And I don't mind the flute, which Toe Jam doesn't like. It's doing a very similar thing. Yeah, it's doing a very similar thing to that in that track, Free Yourself. There's something doing it the same thing in that track. I just think it would sound better if it was on the, the minor. It just, it just sounds too happy. Mm, but this is a great track. The lyrics are pretty good, too. Yes, I heard some of them. Toe Jam already said the best one. Legs so long, she never climbs stairs. That's, that's just good. There's some horn stuff in this. Reminds me of Sexy MF as well. Not the main horn bits that you obviously hear, but like during the verses, like there's like really low, like baritone notes and stuff just randomly. And it's very Sexy MF to me, which is good. And I really like the distorted keys around 206. It's very similar, if not the exact same preset of the keyboard that he uses on Endorphin Machine. So straight away, this track is just so much better because of that. Wow. How did you pick that up? How did you hear that? There's a bit of that distorted electric piano sound. It's really nice. I love it. Um, This is a really good song. This is up probably in my top three on this album. Say what? It's a good one. Well, I have to say, Captain, (laughs) that I don't know how often this happens, but most things you said, I was thinking and I was... I probably put them in a different way, but like I'm with you on on everything pretty much that you said. Oh my gee! Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's groovy. It, it's obviously it's an up tempo funk number, but I just find that there's a playfulness in this song that that I really enjoy. And this is where the album kind of starts for me. I'm not talking about sequencing. I'm talking about like energy, energy and interest. I'm like, this is when I'm like, okay, this is getting funky now. Yeah. Hit and run phase two starts when this song comes on and. 
I think a lot of it has to do with the horns. A lot of them, a lot of it has got to do with the arranging. It's just driven by the, by the horns and it's driven by like this relentless groove. But it's, it's also, I wouldn't even, I don't know if I'd call it a funk track or a funk rock track. It's kind of B52s-ish. It's got that really playful party vibe. And again, this song was originally, I think, conceived in the 2011 or 2012 period. So, you know, it's it's a few years old and it's from that Andy Allo era. I'll call it that. And I think because of that, it's got a really good vitality. Prince sounds playful. He sounds youthful. He sounds like he's having a good time. The best way to describe it is a band playing a song in a room and just having a good time, like having a ball. So it's a cool party track. I dig it. Take it away, player. The opening horn line and that main sort of turnaround riff, I guess, sounds like the break in Love Like Jazz. It just, every time I listen to it, I think I'm going to listen to Love Like Jazz. But anyway. I don't even, I don't have a single memory what that song sounds like. I'll have to go and listen to it. The first, the, the, dun, 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 dun. And then I'm thinking it's going to go, dun, 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 dun. Exactly. It's Proud Mary. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that too. Um, Maybe that is Proud Mary. I think you might be right. I think I said um, Shake Your Tail Feather before, but I think you might be right. It is Proud Mary, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, I hear Love Like Jazz. Oh, yeah. The flute's nice. I don't care for it either way. The horn arrangement's really interesting. The hand claps are a cool addition. But I have to say, a bit like the first two tracks, it's kind of just plods along for me. Play the tracks, I like to see vimped up to get moving. None of these packs are bad by any means. They just don't retain my attention. I've got, I've got nothing more on this. All right. Speaking of more, what do the fans think? Oh, you remembered. That's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the love box was 34.36. The like was 43.04%. Grand total 77.40, which placed it 10th. No way. That's surprising. That is surprising. To me, anyway. They obviously didn't hear those those distorted keys. They, they, they must have missed it. I can imagine putting together a compilation of print songs like Sexy MF, like Willing and Able, and this one, and that has that sort of live in-the-studio sound with horns and, and driving bass and everything and acoustic drums. Like You could make a really killer album with that kind of vibe to it. Yes. Yeah, you could. Let's do that. MC, get on that sequencing. It'll be <laughs> that'll be my next project. I'll uh, I'll sequence something on title and I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can I can totally imagine that song on the symbol album not and not really sticking out at all. It it'd fit pretty well on that. Mm. Yeah, and it could have just as easily applied to Maite back then as it did to Andiola, so that's also a common thread. <laughs> yeah, they were both too young to do. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> so with that, let's go into track number four, which is entitled Look at Me, Look at You. Track number four is entitled, Look at Me, Look at You. And I'm going to hand the review of this song over to Player. What do you think? This is where the album starts for me. It's just total groove. Has a bit of a Rainbow Children vibe going for it. The Fender Rhodes is really nice. The bass is popping. The flutes and horns fit perfectly into the mix. Prince's vocals are as smooth as butter. The lyrics are cool and interesting, and there's a couple of breaks in the track for some solos, which is really good. I get a Stevie vibe from this one, and he gets a name check in it as well. Just pure cool. It's a nice surprise addition to this album, you know, being that we've heard pretty much up until this point everything else. So it's, uh, it's a nice addition. I like it. All right. Toe Jam. I like this song as well. 
Uh, it's a jazzy ballad, very smooth, uh, very deep. Uh, it's got that offbeat bass thing, which is very Larry Graham. A lot of those old Larry Graham sort of uh, ballady things had that sort of groove as well. Tight turnarounds again. That sort of stuff. That's good. Uh, I like the the whirly key sound. It's really genuine whirly sound. It doesn't sound like a like a preset sample thing. It sounds like a genuine whirly, which is really cool. Uh, you've got uh, Marcus Anderson doing some sax soloing throughout it. M- makes it a little bit Kenny G ish, uh, a bit Muzaki, but it's it's pretty good. There's some funny lyrics in this song, even though it's this you know jazzy ballad. It's actually the lyrics are pretty funny. Uh, he's got to feel himself when he looks at you. Uh, okay. And uh, I love the Ray Charles reference too, because, you know, even Ray Charles can see. And then in the background, you hear someone going, Stevie Wonder can too. It's like, okay, referencing. And then there's another reference to a person who I tried to Google and I couldn't work out who it was. Is it Fox Weller or, or f- something like that? Who's that? Fats Waller? Maybe. It's someone I know. It's I know it. No? It sounds to me like Fox Weller, but it's obviously a reference to, I'm assuming, some other blind singer-songwriter. I don't know. I just know that Blackwell has mentioned Fats Gallon as a influence who was a drummer to him, like for him. Maybe that's the reference. I, I haven't picked it up on the song, so that's the only thing that kind of sounds like that way. Good well I don't be. know if he's been. Yeah, it does have. It does remind me of Mellow off the Rainbow Children. And again, you've got that solo at the end, um, and the ride symbol's really nice at that point. Uh, it's it's just a well produced song, not too long, which is good. Not much to say. Not much to say negatively about this song. Um, it's not the kind of thing I'd listen to every day, but uh, it's a good, solid album track. Yeah, I agree that it's a good, solid album track. But I think it's better than solid. Actually, this is one of the standout tracks on the album to me. It's down tempo and it's it's got that really cool, sexy groove uh, underneath it all, and it's not overly long. But I think this is one of the best songs on the album, easily from a production standpoint, from a just chilled out vocal delivery standpoint. And I think the lyricism is really, really clever. It's one of the most clever songs he's put out in, the, in recent years, I'll say. Just just the, the use of language is creative. And I like how he starts one sentence and sometimes goes into the preceding sentence by linking words together. So he'll say, look at me, and then he'll say, you something, 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 or look at you. And then he'll add a sentence that kind of connects onto the end of that word. I think he's in the groove, not only musically, but he's in the groove, lyrically speaking. Kind of cool to hear that. And I agree about the Kenny G-ish sounds. I wish they were a little bit more something. (laughs) I don't even have a word here. I'm just reading this and thinking a little bit more. Uh, I guess maybe a little less music, to Toe Jam's point, and a little bit more, maybe a little bit more jazzy even. It's kind of like... It sounds like smooth jazz, but I think this song probably would be better off maybe even more up the Rainbow Children. I mean, I know Rainbow Children was Naji, but there were parts there that were really like more fusion-y. Maybe this would, would suit this sort of song. I don't know exactly what, what would make it sound a bit more raw, a little bit more vital, but something. Other than that, this is really good. It's a really good piece of work. And the biggest compliment I can pay this track is that when it ends, I want to press rewind and listen to it again. And finally, I like the fact that we're hearing Prince going back to musicianship. You know, a bunch of people in a studio playing the basic instruments, what I'll call the basic instruments, bass, drum, bit bit of keys here or there, a bit of Fender Rhodes, maybe a smattering of, of guitar here or there and a sax over the top, and just leaving it simple, and simple's timeless. So this is a good song. Play it. 
Captain. So this song instantly reminds me of If You Want Me To Stay by Sly and a Family Stone, even though I couldn't find anything specific that I could pinpoint. It's just got that sound. It's the grooving bass and the tempo. Even a bit of the, the vocal performance is similar. I saw someone mention Golden Parachute and that flute. It's very similar. It's similar tempo as well. And a bit of mellow. Someone said mellow. It's all that flute. It's the flute that does it every time. And it's... um, I, I could live without the flute. Anyway. The vocals... The vocals are good. The vocals are double-tracked. There's one falsetto and then one in his normal voice. So that's good. And then when the backing vocals come in, it's just... It's big. It's good stuff. There is some cool... Bass work in 108, and then with the piano solo. In that piano solo, there's a really cool bit where he does, he does like three chords going down. I really like that bit. Uh, it's at 123. Some more flute here and there. But yeah, nothing amazing. I'm just really, I don't know, I just, I'm not digging his slower tracks really anymore. Unless they're like blow your mind, they're just not doing it anymore. Whether it's a ballad or even, you know, something like this, it's just too mellow. For me, anyway. Maybe stressed people listen to this to calm down, but I'm already calm, so uh, it doesn't work. I need something something exciting to wake me up, which is why I like all the fast and the pop songs. Hmm. But not one of my favorites, but the more I listen to it, I think it's growing on me a bit. That bass is cool, but yeah, nothing... Amazing. Just remembered as well in the one night alone piano well object the song objects in the mirror. There's a reference to the same sort of thing where it's they're looking at each other in the mirror, looking at each other. So that's potentially where the the idea for this song came from. Ooh. Well, I was just going to add quickly that sounds like it's Blackwell on the drums here and Prince playing pretty much everything else other than sax, obviously. So he's got a nice groove going on the bass, that's for sure. And with that, let's go to the NPG music. Sorry, let's go to the fan vote. (laughs) Okay, look at me, look at you. The love button was 49.28%. Like was 36.10%. Combined total is 85.38%, which rates it 6 out of 12. So it's kind of halfway point. That's some high scores. Mm. This is the sixth best song. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's keep the show on the road. Let's keep it rolling. We are on track number five, which is entitled Stare. They all stare. Can I help you? Everybody jam because his body's going ham. Just stare. Can I help you? And I was going to introduce this song by saying it's the old MPG Music Club intro theme music, but I'll save that for my (laughs) review. (laughs) Anyway, Stare came out as a, I want to say a snippet initially. It feels like it came out as a snippet and then it was made available. Okay. Three snippets and you're out. Um, So there were some snippets, then it was made available on Spotify as a streaming track and now on Tidal including not only streaming and on the album, but as a download. So the song is Stare. What I want to know is, do we care? (laughs) Toe Jam? I have a love-hate relationship with this song. I love the bass and I love the groove. That bass is so funky. It's amazing. And I reckon he's trying to recreate that sort of 777-9311 sound. He's got that sort of claps and snaps sample on just two and four all the way through but then the drums are kind of sometimes they're playing on two and four other times it's two and something else and so the snare is kind of a bit off and and then you add the bass to that uh which is this funky slap bass thing going on and that that groove is just really cool i love that groove i think this is a million times better than the npg music intro come on 
What are you saying? I love the first two verses. I mean, for me, this song is banging for like a minute and, and a half. <laughs> and then it just sort of tampers out and it weasels out. It's, it's almost like he's got this really cool idea for a song, but just doesn't know where to go with it. And he ends up throwing in a kiss sample and starts referencing Sexy Dancer. And then it sort of fades away and then comes back in and it's just a sax solo or some sort of uh, trumpet solo or something, little horn stabs and... And then it just goes. And it's like, ah, what a disappointing end to a song that was starting so well. So, like I said, I have a love-hate relationship because this song is banging for like a minute and a half. And then I just feel like it just tampers out. Like it just gets, I don't want to say boring, but it just, I'm done with it within like two minutes. And I I feel spent. I feel used and abused. (laughs) (laughs) So, I start the song staring because I'm like, this is Awesome. And I finished the song looking at it, staring, going, oh, what was that? Okay, so, so it's, a, it's a really hard one to review for me because I just I love the groove, but I just wish it went somewhere else. That's my review. Okay, well, I'll just quickly chime in before I hand it over. But yeah, it, to me, it's MPG Music Club circa 2002 era. I just can't get this recurring groove out of my mind. And it it sounds so much like something from the NPG store days or some other Prince website online venture. It just sounds like an advert. The groove sounds more like an advertisement than anything. So again, just like with Rock and Roll Love Affair, I've got this weird association thing that goes on. If if I make an association with a piece of music, and if I associate that with something else, it's really hard to get that out of my head, out of my brain. I don't know why that is. And so this is yeah, it's uber funky. Toe Jam's on point. He, he, the bass is popping, there's snapping, it's it's delivering from a f- oral point of view. And the energy's there, but there's just things that, again, I, I grow tired, tired of as well. It's kind of like, yeah, that was super funky, but nothing really new happened. And so I'm going to click next and listen to the to what to what comes after this. It really needs like a James Brown go or not even James but you know just going to the four or something just it just stays on it just loops for too yeah, long. Yeah, it doesn't have that's, a change, does that's it? it? That's it. No. It just kind of stays on it kills the groove, but you know normally Prince kills the groove and the groove is just so darn good you never want to stop listening to it. Here it's like it's funky, I guess, but what else is on this album? <laughs> That's kind of the feeling I get. And you know what? That's not a slight at the song as much as it is just Prince's discography and his and the amount of material he puts out. We've spoken about this a hundred times, a thousand times probably by now. So I won't go into a huge spiel about it. But this guy's got more funky songs in his back pocket than most people, than many groups combined, I would say. So, you know, it's just another funky Prince track. And uh, it is what it is. So uh, with that, take it away, Captain. So we have heard the snippets, and now we get the full version. It's funk on a stick. Funkiest bass line is put on an album in in some time, I'd say. The horns, also some nice work on the horns there from... Now, this is the new horn guys, isn't it? This isn't the old horn heads. This is the new guys, Lasseter and Anderson and all those guys, isn't it? Yeah, new new horns. Yeah, the new horns, that's their name. I was reading a few online things, and I saw a bunch of references with this song to one of my favourite songs, and I think even one of you might have said it when we mentioned this song last time, is We Gets Up. And now that I've heard the full song, apart from the tempo, I don't hear it at all. I hear nothing to do with We Gets Up. No, nothing reminds me of it at all. So I don't know what people are listening to. 
but I like the vocals. They're very rhythmic. I guess they have to be on a track like this. It's pretty much rap. It's rap with funk. That's what it is. The fade out annoys me, but not for the reason it fades out, but because at the same time there's that annoying synth that goes... That is way more annoying than the fade out itself, is that disgusting sound. It is just like a whiny little thing. You just want to punch it. I hate it. Anyway, that horrible synth. Lyrics. We we sort of mentioned this uh, another time. The lyric, this party's going ham. Now, as far as I know, and I'm sure Prince is aware what ham stands for, we know, right? Everybody knows what that means? I've forgotten, actually. <laughs> um... Ham stands for hard as a motherfucker. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that that's an that's an interesting lyric for Prince to be singing, I thought. Oh right. Quite an intellectual. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, this party's going ham. It's it's great. Anyway, funky track, funky vocals, funky bass, funky horns. It's a funky song. But yeah, it I I never thought about it, but it really could do with a bridge, with it with a change because it just doesn't have one. If it had a change in it, it would take you somewhere else instead of you just getting exhausted with the track or it exhausts itself. I don't know. That's all. All right. Now, player, are you feeling exhausted or are you feeling enlivened by this song, Stare? Uh, all right. I want to first start out by saying I was completely wrong about this track. I'll admit it. If you remember on the free net releases show, I said that from the preview snippet shared, it was like a watered down we gets up. But to hear it in full, it's a track that really pops right from the opening bass lick, really nicely recorded and it drives a song. The whole embellishments are really funky and add spice to the track. Unlike Toe Jam, I really like the Kiss and Sexy Dancer throwback references. I think they're cool. And I like the fake fade out and the, you know, psych fades back in. I'm really I'm a really fan of this track now, which initially I wasn't. So for me it's it's a bit of a highlight on this album. Really cool. It's going ham. I find that the kiss and sexy dancer thing, I just find it lazy. It is. Like yeah. Like he's got admitted into it and he's like, well, what am I gonna do? Uh <laughs> reference. here's a sexy dancer reference. Uh what am I gonna do now? Um I'll fade out. What am I gonna do now? I'll have a horrible scene. Fade in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have a solo. You trumpet player, have a solo. And it's just I don't know, just I don't like the arrangement. I don't recall Toe Jam saying the same thing about My Name is Prince, where he says, I want to be your lover controversy at the start of the track. I don't remember going, oh, it's so lazy. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a different thing, though, because that was like... It wasn't a direct sample. Yeah, it's not as... Oh, it is. I don't know. You, you, <laughs> you, you found me in a contradiction. You, you found go. me. <laughs> the way I look at it is like, you know, let's say if you're a DJ and you're playing a song, just like a random song, and in the song, they mention Kiss, and, you, and like the DJ dropped in like that that guitar lick of the intro of Kiss, and the crowd goes nuts. It's the same sort of thing to me. Like you know, he's throwing in like something from the past where like you know people just go nuts, sort of thing. I don't know. That's the way I see it. Okay. What? Are, how do the fans see it? That's the big question that we need answered. Player. This rate's actually really, really high. Love got fifty-two point six three percent, and Love got thirty-seven point five seven percent combined total is 90.20 percent which makes it second overall wow. on this album second, wow. second best yeah. on the album. that's a really big surprise i have to admit yeah it's it is and, yeah. it, and, and it isn't i mean it's uber funky yeah but but i think it's just visceral like it's not 
there's nothing much to it. It's just a jam. It's a studio jam. I was just thinking maybe after phase one, and this is sort of like the first sort of tasting from the album, which is more sort of organic, maybe, maybe people rate it higher. I don't know. But it's very, um, very popular. It is, and it isn't surprising to me because on one hand, this is the like funk track that Prince fans are always asking, oh, when's he going to do a funk track like this? And okay, that's the people that like it. But then on the other hand, you've got the ones who were like, oh, it's Prince just doing Prince. He's done it a million times. The real cynical negative view of it. And it just looks like the the positive has won out over the negative this time, which is good for a change. I can imagine being like 15 or 16 and hearing this and just being like totally blown away. But I feel tainted by so many years of hearing this sort of stuff. Mm. But do you think... A young person now would hear this and be like, wow, what is this? They'd be like, oh, what is this? Old people's music. What the hell is this? That's what it was like when I when I first found Prince. It was like, that's what it was like. No one gave a shit. Mm. So there's people out there who find it. Okay. Well, from one song to the next, another track that we first heard back in 2011. Two thousand and eleven. Two thousand and eleven. That's four years, five five years ago potentially. This has been around, and of course, it's it's been around much longer because the original track was released, recorded, and unreleased, I should say, in the early eighties. So this is an old track redone, reloaded, extra reloaded. Uh, I saw this performed live in two thousand thirteen at Montreux Jazz Festival. Yes, it was good Shut then. Up. I'm sorry <laughs> for mentioning that. People are sick of hearing it. Uh, I can hear Captain giggling in the background, and I think he might want to get his mitts on this. So I'm going to give Captain the, the first uh, first round here. Captain, tell us what you think about Extra Lovable on this album. This was released as a single four years before the album. Definitely the record holder. And not to mention the song itself. Not this recording, but like MC said, 33 years old. So... Again, when I was talking about A Thousand Hugs and Kisses was from 1992, and is this the oldest track we've had on an album? Yet again, he beat himself. He beat his own record, puts on a 33-year-old song on the next album. It's it's great stuff. (laughs) So this track has the original, the Hornheads, and it's very, very great. Great work all over the place from them. Hang on, hang on. Hang on, are you sure it's the Hornheads? Yes. I don't think it's the Hornheads. Well, you better go and look it up. Maybe, I mean, it could be the Hornheads, but I remember there was a video that it looked like a 10-piece horn section. It was all these, it wasn't the Hornheads. Well, I think that might have been the video only because it is the Hornheads. Okay, fair enough. It must have been a video of the live band rehearsing it. Yeah. That's what it must have been. Okay. Horns, 225. Horns just go off. Just absolute classic Hornheads lines in there. Toe Jam must love it. Who does the arranging? For the Hornheads. Is it Michael Nelson? Michael B. Nelson yeah, or someone? Excellent. Yep. I don't think the new Horn guys, they're good, but they're not this good. This guy's just, he's arranging and uh, it's just excellent. What else is in this song? You know, at 308, where he says, ooh, ooh, ooh. It's just so weak. If only there was like an original version of this song where it was done like much stronger with like more passion. Who knows? It just seems so weak. Where's the, the energy? I, I know he's not, you know, 25 anymore, but come on. The one, there's one at 345, uh, a little scream he does, and that's way better than those weak ones. And I oh, like the funky stuff starts up around four minutes. That's some good stuff. It's a great track. 
I have heard that this is a remake of a, a very old track from 1982. Maybe one day we'll hear that track. The end. <laughs> <laughs> that was a loaded review, Captain. Toe Jam, what are you thinking about this song, Extra Lovable? Give us your thoughts. Um, so, first thing I'll say is uh, now that Captain clarifies that it is the NPG Hornheads, that actually makes a lot of sense. I can definitely hear that now. So, yeah, a great job by the Hornheads. Hornheads always rock and um, great arrangement, great playing. And it's kind of deleted the Andy Allo rap that was originally there from 2011. Um, so, not only are there horns, there's there's a few other backing vocals by Eliza, or Eliza, sorry, Liv and Shelby. Uh, there's a bass as well in there that I don't think was on the 2011 version. Uh, for me, this is a really good song, uh, one of his best, and I love the chorus. I've, that's For me, the chorus is what makes the song. I love the way it's like fast and then it slows down. You know, extra lovable, honey, don't you wanna, don't you want? And it, it really kind of shows the guy's desperation, the way he sort of just blurts it out, that chorus. I really like the synth string underneath the chorus as well. Uh, listen to that, the way it leads into each chorus. And then just has this big high hanging note that then descends down. Really cool. There's some really funny moments in the lyrics as well. There's the one that talks about in between your barrel. Uh, <laughs> pretty funny. I, I kind of wish it had maybe one more extra verse because I kind of feel it goes to that outro jam maybe a little bit too early. I don't care what you guys get to say. I'm going to talk about the original version because, come on, everyone's heard it. <laughs> I love how he just go into that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people may have no idea what you're talking about. I don't. I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of people don't like this this version because they feel it doesn't have the same energy. And I think that's just because the original is actually sped up. It's actually like two or three clicks faster than it should be. And I think now that... And that actually adds some urgency to the song. And now we hear it in its correct speed. Well, correct is in the speed that Prince always heard it. And to us, it seems slow. It's kind of like that same effect that, you know, the live version of Fury had on the album version. And I think that's all it is. Like, if you can speed this one up or, or take that original and slow it down in your head or something, you know, this has just as much energy in it. I don't have much more to say. It's just, it's a really good song. It's very dense. There's heaps of everything in there. Uh, heaps of horns, heaps of vocals. Heaps of percussion stuff, heaps of bass stuff, heaps of bells and whistles. Really strong track. I think if I hadn't heard this song for four years already, it might be my favorite song on the album. But there's a few others that at the moment for me are a bit more fresh. So, But I think maybe in five years' time and I look back at it, I, there's a good chance I'll say this is the best song on the album. There you go. I'll just say the views of Toe Jam in no way represent the views <laughs> of those of Peach and Black or anyone else. <laughs> I have no idea what he's All talking conditions about. conditions apply. <laughs> Who, who is this guy and who let him in? Who let him into the building? What is this word bootleg you'd speak of? I thought I thought it was a gene. Yeah, exactly. It's a cut of gene. I'm sure we've talked about this before. <laughs> so, Extra Lovable, you guys have spoken about the fact that this song is at least a few years old. I won't add to the controversy, but uh, <laughs> this is definitely one of the better songs on, on the album. Again, a party track, a, a funky track, but also... It's got a bit of an edge to it, mainly because of the lyrics. And the horns and the arrangements of, of the horns are particularly good to listen to, particularly astounding. I like how parts of the song give it a... I won't call it a big band. I'll say a small big band. It's like a small big band feel. And I wish Prince went more into that, into that direction. When I say I wish, let me rephrase. I wouldn't mind hearing more music of that sort. You know, but if Prince got on stage one day with a little big band, I keep saying little big band, with a, 
a big band orchestra or similar and just pulled off some jazz, jazzified, funkified, funker jazzified versions, whatever you want to call them, of his music, I reckon that would come across really well. But hey, that's for another day. <laughs> you might even get like a string quartet to play on stage with him. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what's going on in his brain? Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, you can't deny that this is a solid track. And, and, and one of the things that makes it really listenable and just enjoyable to listen to is the energy, the instrumentation, particularly. Yes, you guys have spoken about the hornheads, but I've got to give them some more props because whoever does the arrangements is is really on, on another level. The guys are just something else. He's so good. I mean, if you take all of that away, all those arrangements and the, the particularly the horn arrangements that we're talking about, if you took them, stripped a song completely of them, it, it would be like two different pieces of music. They add so much that it's incalculable, I think. So big, big, big props to them and uh, always a fan of the hornheads, as we know. So the other, I guess, not comment, but question I had around this song was, do we think that this is a, a band performance or is this a, a track that's been pieced together? And I guess it's difficult to say. It sounds kind of like some of the drum bits are maybe semi-programmed. To me, it doesn't sound like Blackwell, whoever it was, just sitting behind a kit. There's all these little bells and whistles and percussive elements that obviously aren't coming just from a single drum kit, at least to my ears. And um, it's also the return to a degree of Prince the smooth talker, the lover, let's call him, the, you know, that character in the film that kind of, you know, he's the lady killer, to quote a, a CeeLo album. So it's hard not to love this song, Extra Lovable. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Player to finalize this, this review of the song. Player. This track I like too. It's a little different to the 2000 release that had Andy Allo's infamous Elmo rap. And over time, there's been some additional vampy keys and horns added into the mix. So it's kind of a beefed up, like you said, reloaded version. Uh, I really like the percussion, the keyboard bass and the horn lines. Uh, lyrically, it's about having a bath and shower together. Ooh la la. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a really cool R&B dance track which has been vaulted for many decades to finally have a home here. So, it's not the original, but as Prince would say, that's okay, I like it. <laughs> um, to the survey results, I'm sure you want to know about this one. The love got 51.44% and the like got 37.18% gives a combined total of 88.62% and that makes the ranking 5th out of 12. And that marks the halfway point of the album Woo. and we're going into track number 7 which is Groovy Potential. A song that we heard a snippet of, like many of these songs, before it was released on the on the album. But this is the full, I want to say, six-minute version. And we're going to go straight into it. Start it off, player. I'm a big fan of this track. The way it has a subdued beginning, then bubbles along, and then drives towards the end. It starts off with the chimes, the piano, the kick drum, and finger snaps. Then it slowly adds the guitar and horns and bubbles along to when it gets to the chorus and it opens up and brightens up. I really like it. All throughout the song, there's, there's something going on, like a little horn flutter or jazzy guitar lick or bass pop or whatever it is. There's always something interesting to listen to throughout the whole track. Uh, I don't know how to describe this track. It's like a brewing storm. It just has a great vibe overall. I'm 
really glad this has a home on this album and not just a one-off internet release. I really love this song. Awesome, awesome. Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to clarify you. We've had the full version of this song for probably like two and a bit years, two and a half years, uh, not just the snippet. This was released on the Third Eye Girl Tunes, one of those websites that he had there for a little while. That's right. I just never bought it. Ah, and you call yourself a fan. Uh, I think instrumentally and musically this is really cool, and I agree with Player that there's always something interesting going on, and it sort of builds. It's, it is kind of like a storm. It sort of builds and then fades down and builds again, and... Uh, and it's not predictable. Um, it sort of goes in different places all the time. I think it suits this album. It, it finds a home on this album. I find that lyrically it goes nowhere. That's the thing that kind of pulls it down a bit for me. It's all this great music going on, and then there's nothing really happening in the lyrics. That like it's just oh we've got groovy potential. By the way, you've got we've got groovy potential, and I've got groovy potential, and you've got groovy potential. And did I mention you've got groovy potential? That's my impression of the the lyrics. I like the fact that in the verses it's unclear whether it's sort of major or minor, like those three descending chords that you can sort of hear them anyway, but it's probably a bit more minor when it gets into the the darker sections, I guess. I like the piano all the way through it, Uh, nice acoustic piano all the way through it. Uh, There's a reference there to the song Dance For Me, uh, where Prince clearly sings I Like It When You Dance For Me. Yes, Um, I forgot to mention that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. At three minutes, it goes down to a quiet bit, and it's slowly building up a bit again, and... By 4.16, that's where it's really pumping quite hard. And Prince sings these, come on, girl, come on, girl. I like that part. Passionate vocals there. And uh, then you've got that wicked bass line that runs down. That's cool, that little line there. Then at 4.45, it's still bashing away. You know, the storm's in full control. And you've got those big washy cymbals and sustained clear guitar. And he really gets this imagery of sort of this rainstorm happening. Uh, Then it kind of quietens down a bit. And then... At the end, it goes into this different sort of funk jam uh, with the horn stabs and things. And it's almost like, you know, throughout the whole song, he's been talking about this potential that we have. And, and now he's finally got the girl and uh, things are happening. So I can't pinpoint exactly where it is and what song it references to it. But it, to me, it sounds like there's a bit of a time reference in there with the bass. There's a bit of walking, that time walking bass thing that they do in a few of their sort of songs. And it sounds like a big full band recording again. Very lush sort of recording. Uh, so yeah, it's, overall, it's a really good song. I, I love listening to it. I just think the lyrics are, are kind of a bit throwaway. That's my only thing with it. But it's a really good song. So from Toe Jam's review to someone who doesn't really care for the lyrics most often than not, uh, Captain, what are your what's your take on Groovy Potential? Groovy Potential. This is a great track, and it really is groovy. Now, one of the best things about this song, you know who's playing the drums, right? Mr. Michael B. That is correct. And I didn't know that. And I was listening to the drums and I'm like, it just didn't sound like any of the other guys. I didn't think it was Blackwell. I I didn't guess it was Michael B, but it just didn't sound like anyone else. I think it's very similar to Prince drumming, like his kind of style. You think? Uh, when, When I knew it was him and then I listened to it a few more times, I'm like, of course it's him. But when I was listening to it the first few times, I'm like, this doesn't sound like Blackwell. It doesn't sound like whoever else. I can definitely hear that now that you say that because I was talking about those washy cymbals and it reminds me heaps of Colonized Mind and he's drumming on that as well, isn't mm. he? Yeah, so I can hear that. And the fills he does, you know, they're his and I know them. And when I, especially on this track, there's lots of stuff going on on the drums. You know what it is? It's the kit that he's using. It doesn't sound like, you know, the mm, 90s MPG. But it doesn't have that sort of 90s MPG sound. Yeah. Like, it has his style of drumming, but the kit sounds more sort of flat. It doesn't have, like, a, like a ring when he's hitting this. Anyway. You used to have all those sample 
punchy snares that would yeah, trigger the, when he snared and everything. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, Michael B on the drum. So, straight away, this song is great. And then, on top of that, again, the original Hornheads on this track. Not these new guys. So, again, this song just it just gets better and better. I really like the vocal performance. He's pushing his voice just enough. And I don't think anybody got my reference at the start of the show where I was saying, get up, get up, in that, you know, constipated voice that he does. But anyway, 4.23, Toe Jam already said this, funkiest part on this track, possibly my favourite two seconds on the entire album, is that big bass going down bit. It's at 4.23. Toe Jam, you said that, didn't you? That's pretty funky, that bit. It's every time I hear that in the car, I look at the time and I'm like, I've got to remember what time it is because I'm going to say it in the review (laughs) every time. And it's like, oh, it's so good. And you can tell when you listen to it, the one just before that, it like sort of starts, but then goes, nah, I won't do it this time. (laughs) And the next one, he does it. So who's playing bass? Do we know who's playing bass? Prince, all vocals and instruments, except except drums and horns. Wow. And here I was thinking it was a full band performance. That's the magic of Paisley Park Studios. So there you go, another one-man band plus about another five people. <laughs> Which gives me, I don't know, I seem to think one of the best ways he records is when he has a, a guest drummer, like whether it's Bland or Blackwell, and then he builds everything else around it, and then he adds horns. That seems to be the way to go. Yeah, because it's based on a live track. Yeah. So it and has that live feel. It's got a bit of groove to it. It's not just straight metronome yeah. bloody... Yeah. I mean, that's how most of Rainbow Children was recorded, but that's a good um, way for him to record, I think. So this, yeah, that bass bit going down is great. Uh, 5.35, you've got that funk breakdown thing. That's very good stuff. And that sort of change at 5.35 is what I was really expecting in another track later on, but we'll get to that. Again, Michael B on the drums. I'll say it again. I definitely like this track more knowing that he's on it and, and the horn heads as well. It just makes the song better. And that's that's all. It's a good one. So I'll round out the groovy potential review by saying this track really surprised me. Toe alluded to me not purchasing it. Well, actually, I alluded to it, but he called me out. And I admitted that I didn't buy this song when it was on thirditunes.com. And so I'd never heard the full version. Ooh. And based on the snippet, I thought, oh, this is just going to be one of those dreamy, goes nowhere type tracks. And, and boy, was I wrong. Although he's singing about the same thing all the time, to Toe Jam's point, like he repeats the groovy potential bit, you know, constantly. I think the music is the thing that seals the deal here for him because groovy potential, the, the words groovy potential really uh, describe this song to a degree, in my opinion. Like it's it's got a good groove and it kind of jumps along and it's got some momentum. And then those horn overdubs are really, really cool. Playing really nicely and playing off each other, it sounds like as well, which is cool to hear. And but it never explodes. That's the thing that I, the, the, my biggest comment, I guess, is that it's got this nice descending bit where everything comes together with, with the descending bass line that you guys spoke about and all the rest. Got about in on this part. I uh, just remember the bass line bit I was talking about comes out of the walk, the song, the walk, the time. That bit's in the song, so there's a little Ooh. reference to the time in there. There you go. Ooh. Oh, cool. So no, not cool. The walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ha <laughs> ha. So, as you guys have mentioned, Prince is playing it, and, and the bass line's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, this is a good track. That it's just another one of his jams. This guy's got so many jams, and this is just another one of them. But I will say that this song stays on my resequence version of the album because I think it, it is pretty strong. And um, oh, I'm sure Prince just 
oh, the relief that you didn't boot that song off <laughs> his I, album. No, it stayed. <laughs> this song stays. And I don't want to be overly critical here, but I have to say this, and I've kind of alluded to it already. It's got the groovy potential, but it's not like it doesn't kill the groove. It doesn't. It's got more potential. Let me put it that way. I don't know if anyone else is really feeling it, feeling what I'm saying, but yeah, I know what you I mean. Just, I know like, what you mean. It could go another notch up, and it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, but it yeah, just but doesn't. But then that w- wouldn't be groovy. That'd be something else then. It'd be a groovy yeah, it fulfillment. Be groovy. <laughs> <laughs> I had a groovy expectation and it and it showed me its groovy potential, but I was looking for groovy fulfillment. That's probably <laughs> the best way I can sum it up. It's like the hand job of Prince songs. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost there, but not all the way. <laughs> that, well, yeah, I wasn't sure what you meant by that, but that's <laughs> the feeling. Michael B., of course. Captain says it, it sounds like Michael B. Like you can tell it's Michael B. I don't think it's particularly reminiscent of like. I could I could tell it was show. Michael B. after I knew it was him, but before I knew it was him, <laughs> it didn't sound like any of the other drummers he's had lately. It didn't sound like Hannah. It didn't sound like like Blackwell. You knew it and was someone else. I knew it was someone else, and then I looked it up, and it's like Michael B. And then listening back to it, it's like, oh, listen to those feels. Of course, it's him. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty much all I've got. So, player, what, what do the fans think? Okay. The love button got 61.78%. It's the highest one thus far. And like was 27.90 gives a combined total of 89.68%, which ranks it fourth. So, yeah, yeah it has okay. groovy potential. It's up there. It is up there. It is good. Mm. It is, And it's Michael B. and the Hornheads. Yeah. <laughs> So, of course, it's fourth. So, so you can't be. <laughs> okay, now let's go into magical number eight. The song is called When She Comes. When she comes Always unexpected And I'm going to hand this over to Toe Jam. Okay, When She Comes. This is a nice little song, very much in the same vein as Satisfied and On the Couch. That harpsichord, when that first comes in, I think everyone's first thought is, Oh, Parade! It sounds like something of Parade. And it certainly does. It sounds like um, Do You Lie has that same sort of vibe to it. If maybe not in the, the song, but the sort of arrangement, at the, um, what do you call it, the selection of instruments, that sort of thing. Is it a harpsichord or an accordion? Accordion. Yes, that's what I meant. Yes. I was just about to say, yeah. Yeah. Harpsichord? (laughs) (laughs) This isn't the morning after. No. No. (laughs) Same thing. Yeah, same thing. No. (laughs) I like it at the very beginning. Like, in 23 seconds, it changes chord, and it's kind of a nice bright chord. It goes from an E major 7 to a C sharp major 7, so fairly distant chords, those two. So it kind of takes you by surprise. I love all the horn swells going through this. Nice muted horns. And I really like the string arrangement as well. There's a nice background string arrangement. It sounds maybe like, um, who's that string? The string genius, maybe them, or maybe just Prince on a keyboard. I don't know, but that's nice going on. It's that 6-8 sort of feel that he does a lot. Um, the vocals, you know, falsetto vocals, they seem a bit subdued. I reckon he, I can imagine if he did this in 1986 or something, the vocals would have been smashed out a bit more. And I kind of feel that on this track. Like, I wish he kind of smashed out the vocals a bit more. But, you know, it's it's... The opposite, it's it's kind of subdued, and the lyrics are, you know, there's nothing subtle here. I mean, it's pretty obvious what he's singing about, and it's something that uh, he's obviously enjoying, bringing this woman to pleasure. And so, it's a nice, it's that sort of song on a lot of albums that he has. You know, this sort of three quarters of the way through the album, he has this nice little soft 
short song, like I said, like Satisfied on the Couch. Lotus Flower had some little instrumental track, something like that. He seems to, it's a good spot for that sort of song. So I won't say much more than that. It's not earth shattering, but it's a great little song for what it is. Uh, okay, so yeah, when she comes, there's not a lot to say about this. It actually, first thing I have is nice little parade-esque, rainbow children-esque ballad. And then I've got really, really short. But when I looked up the time on Tidal, it's 3 minutes 45 seconds. It feels way shorter than that, to me anyway. And I think it's because not a lot happens. Now, I'm not saying that a song has to have all the bells and whistles because this one has kind of little trinkets here and there. But it's a bit of a sleeper for me. I don't really get a lot out of it. I think it's nice for what it is. But he's done this sort of stuff so many times and much, much better, I think. And I'm probably going to cop some flack for this, but I'm Prince's biggest supporter as far as he's one of the greatest falsetto. He's got one of the greatest falsetto voices in the history of music. But there are times when he sounds like, <laughs> I don't know how to say this politely. He, there are times like he sounds like like really whiny and a bit weaselly, almost to the point where, I don't know, it's just, it sounds medieval to me. Like, like he's singing some medieval folk song on a haystack somewhere with like harpsichords in the background. And and there's elements here of that and I'm not really digging it. So like this is cool. It's organic. Yeah, you got Johnny B. Well on the drums and Goucher on bass. So, you know, it's an organic sound. You've got some some horns and trumpets. The arrangement's nice. For for some reason, I guess I'm not really feeling it that much. And And the play on words on When She Comes, I'm thinking... It's, it's cool. It's typical Prince fashion, but it's not as salacious, I guess, as, as it could be. It's kind of, it's trying to be like a bit of a come on, but I don't think it's, it just doesn't sell. He's not selling it to me. It's like, it's almost too smart for its own good. So anyway, I enjoy listening to it. Like the sounds are nice, but I'm not overwhelmed by it. So those are my thoughts and I'll hand it over to Captain. I'll say something. Two things I agree with you with is, one, I don't get much out of this song. Nobody would be surprised by that. The other thing is his falsetto. Are you saying that his falsetto just on this track sounds a bit whiny or... Yes, just on this track. Okay. I think that is just to do with his voice and aging. I mean, it has sounded better, but his falsetto is changing as he gets older. It is getting yeah, but like it's a, a bit, bit like it's getting a bit like thinner. I don't think he's lost any of his top notes that I've you know we haven't heard any really high notes for a while. But I don't think he's lost much of his range. But just the it sounds a bit thinner to me sometimes. There's not as much power behind I, yeah, I, it. I agree. I agree. I think he he still hits for all we know, and like you know when when we've seen him live only a few years ago. I mean he's still hitting all the notes that he used to. So which is remarkable in itself. But I agree with you. It's a bit. It's kind of, it breaks a little bit here and there, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, like, it, it sounds a little bit whiny to me in parts, a la the song, Resolu- something like Resolution of Planet Earth, or, you know, those sorts of songs. Circle of Amore, something like that. Like, that was years ago, and it was, he still had a bit of a whiny element. Anyway, I'm going on and on. <laughs> Sorry, your review. I, yeah, I don't have that much to say. I don't like it, but on the other hand, it's, it's not a bad song. But like you, I just don't get anything out of it. It just comes and goes. It comes, just like the song. And then it goes. <laughs> it's finished. Just like our credibility. <laughs> but lyrics, oh, I just have to say, I have to say, I hate, hate's a strong word, but I hate the lyric where he says something about limoncello. 
because I just hate that word. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just a gelato reference that I, I just hate that word. I don't know why. Is he saying limoncello or, or is someone playing a lemon-colored cello? <laughs> I don't no. Probably not. A yellow cello. <laughs> Either way, it's every time that line comes on, I'm just like, oh, God, get over it. Get, get past it. Do not like it. <laughs> but yeah, like MC, like you said, it's just your typical Prince sort of track. And this one seems to have nothing that stands out above, you know, anything else. He's done a lot of songs like this, but most of them have had something that raise it up a bit. And you're like, oh, that's something. But this one is that sort of track, but without anything. You know what I mean? There's just nothing special. Well, to me, anyway. I, I may, yeah. You know, it's not a bad song. It's a, it's, it's a normal Prince song, but nothing amazing. All right. Well, that, I mean, that only covers three of us. Let's, let's hear what Player has to say. Player? Yeah, what I've got in my notes here is accordion, uh, an instrument that hasn't been seen since Prince, on a Prince record since Parade. A welcome return. It's a cool little track. I'm with you guys. It's, it's uh, neither here nor there, I guess. Um, I think he's vocal is quite cool but I agree with Toe Jam he doesn't sort of belt it out you know it's always sort of subdued it has that implied naughtiness lyrically and something that may go amiss if you're not looking out for it is the orchestration it's really nice but it's kind of low in the mix and I agree with Toe Jam it's very similar to On the Couch Satisfied all those types of tracks he's knocked out in the last 10 years with a bit of accordion on it so Maybe he thought, it. "What's okay? This is this is a, this is the track I've done. How can I make it? How can I bring this track up to the next level?" <gasps> Accordion. Yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't work. Survey results: the love was only yes. thirty-seven point seven three on this one, and like was forty point zero seven percent. Combined total is seventy-seven point seven zero percent, which ranks at ninth out of twelve. So that's the fan vote for when she comes. Oh, really? I would have put this. Possibly a bit further down. So it's just ahead of 2Y2D, another song, and Baltimore. So track number nine is Screwdriver. I'm your driver, you're my And I'm getting really tired of mentioning this, but this is an older song. It came out first in 2012, late 2012, early 2013. And we may have mentioned a few bits and pieces here or there about this piece of music, but we're going to do a full review now, and I'm going to hand this one over to Captain. Screwdriver, track number nine. This was also released as a single just under three years before the album came out. So another very, very, very advanced single for the album. I've always liked this track. It's just rock. And it is good. John Blackwell on drums, Eater on bass. It's not it's not Peach or Endorphin Machine, but it's pretty good. His vocal performance is great. I like when he pushes his voice, and I've said that many times, and he does it on this track. And I don't have a lot to say, except it's just good. I like it a lot. And this there was also a few different versions of this as well, wasn't there? There was like a video version and something else. But yeah, this one's good. This one's good too. Next. Jam, give us your feel of Screwdriver, the song. Screw you! No. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, this is a... This always reminds me of Peach. It's Peach 2.0. It's that sort of raw, rocking thing, very Rolling Stones sort of feel. There was originally a lyric video. Then there was an... Ex- yes. There was a video version, which sounded like an, a completely different recording, which went for about six minutes. Yeah, that was like a total live version, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like a live in the yeah. studio kind of thing. Yeah. He also played this on the Jimmy Fallon show before he was on The Tonight Show. The actual concept of the song, you know, it's, it's such a great pop 
uh, lyric hook, you know, I'm your driver, you're my driver, I'm your screw, or whatever it is. It's very dense, it's very thick. Uh, the background vocals especially, like there's big layered background vocals. It's got that guitar hook in it, guitar slash um, synth hook. And uh, someone, I read this somewhere, and I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. It, it reminds them of um, the MySex computer games hook. Uh, I've got that in my notes kind of too. Da, 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 da. Yeah. yeah, I've got that in my notes too. Josh, Josh, he, uh pointed that out when I first came. I was like, yes, I hear that. That's one of the best bits in the song, that that riff. Yeah, it's a pretty cool hook. Uh, there's a stop and it's got a big Johnny B. Good. Something out of Back to the Future or something. <laughs> there's a lyric that says, and I ain't even got to you know who. And when it gets that bit, I'm like, who? Who are you talking about? I don't even know. I don't know who you're talking about. So it's like, you know who? It's like, uh, actually, I don't. So <laughs> it maybe goes a little bit too long. I feel that it could have finished at 310. There's a nice place to finish there. Instead, it keeps going for another 40 seconds. It finishes with a big, I think it's a blatant ripoff of the Let's Go Crazy outro. It's exactly the same almost. Just a big stop and then this big wailing run down on the guitar and then a big bashing Vegasy ending kind of thing. So it's good for what it is. I don't think this fits on the album, though. I, I generally skip it, and not only because it's a few years old, but also because I just don't think it fits on the album. It doesn't feel right. Like, the rest of the album is has a lot of horns, is a bit more lush. This one's quite in your face, and uh, there's a lot more production, a lot more layered vocals going on, and it just seems a bit odd on this album, but uh, it's a good pop tune. Nothing to rave home about, but... It's not bad. It's a screwdriver in your face. <laughs> ah. Player, give Screw us your you. take on screwdriver. <laughs> okay, I'm kind of torn on this track in the sense that I like the song, but like you guys, it says it seems a bit out of place on this album, or maybe it's the sequencing MC. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can see why it didn't make Plectrum Electrum because, you know, Third Eye Girl aren't on it. It's a Total Prince production. But maybe it could have shown up there as a hidden track, perhaps. Because sound-wise, it fits perfectly on there. A little less here. However, the song itself is a total rock-out affair. As mentioned by Toe Jam, the guitar line reminds me of Computer Games by My Sex. Uh, it's a fun track, by no means his greatest, but it's a shame it might get lost in this album purely by people potentially skipping it. Oh, who would skip this? Crazy. We'll get to the survey results. Yeah, yeah. Okay, survey results. You may be surprised. The love was only 26.17% and like was 43.50%, giving a grand total of 69.67%, which ranks it 11th out of 12. Second last. Wow. So, wow. I'm sure, hmm. again, if we hadn't heard this... If this was the first time we'd heard this, that would be a different number for sure. That and the fact that it's kind of like the oddity on the whole album. Yeah. I think maybe the the listeners might have ranked this higher if it was maybe on Plectrum or, you know, a different project. But on here, maybe that's why they've rated, rated it lower. Yeah, I mean, when Plectrum Electrum came out, everyone's like, where's Screwdriver? Yeah. Now it's on this one. They're like, why is this on here? That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny actually because of these songs that we've heard, like, Extra lovable and groovy potential. To me, I'm starting to get it in my head that those songs are on this album. Whereas this one, it's still like Screwdriver to me. Just doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's on this album. It's like, how did that get in the playlist? Get it out. But it is. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> okay. Track number ten. Black Muse. And I'm going to hand it over to Player. What are your thoughts on this? 
Oh yeah, this is the groove. The bass and drums really drive this track into the lead line part that has acoustic guitar. And am I am, am I hearing xylophone low in the mix? I didn't notice. Yeah, there's a bit of that. Yeah, uh-huh. it's really cool. It's, it's it is very low. You have to really listen out for it, but it's really nice. The chorus always reminds me of Funkadelic's One Nation Under a Groove, and I'm always catching myself not to sing that song during this song. This sounds like another one that would fit on the Rainbow Children stylistically, particularly the second half that has elements that remind me of The Last December. Uh, really good organic sounding track, and this is another album highlight for me, Black Muse. Oh, what about... Don't forget the last, what, three minutes of this are a totally different track. Yeah. A, a thousand light years away. So do you like the first half or the second half more than the other? No, no, no. I like it both like oh, it's all equally good. as one one piece. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It is a great song. And really, this is the song that opens the album for me. And although I won't go into my resequenced version in detail, <laughs> the Rob S. resequenced version of Hit and Run Phase 2 does begin. Coming soon. Something big yeah. is coming. <laughs> well, it does begin with Black Muse. I think this is a great album opener. It's a great first track. But other than that, it's just a great piece of music. I would love to hear an album full of this from Prince. And, and when I say full of this, what I'm referring to is the sound of the music, the timbre, the, the tone of the instruments, the way everything's recorded. It sounds organic. It sounds live. Everything's just really smooth and mellow. And it's great. I love listening to, to those sorts of pieces by him. So, you know, uh, it's... Doesn't yep. most of this album have that live organic sound? Most of it. Generally. Yeah. But, I, yeah, but this track even more, right? Yeah, I think so. So, I think Prince, this, whatever this... you're doing to make this sound even more live, do even more of that. Because this, this track more than the others. Yeah, except for the fact that he was doing it four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, 14 years ago. <laughs> 15 years ago. Rainbow Children. That's right. So, but as far as Black Muse, the, the song and the, the themes and the thematic content and, and lyricism, I think is particularly strong here. That's basically it. I like the, the other thing that I like about it though is the positivity. Like it's just a light song, pleasant to listen to, and it's uplifting. And I think the message that it, the, that he's raising about, you know, the world around us and even more than that, the history of the, of the world around us is kind of cool. So I don't know that it fits on the album thematically with some of the other music, but the song itself is really solid, and I'm, I'm glad it's on here, So, and I'm glad I've heard it. And Toe Jam, what do you think? Okay, um, for me, I toss and turn between this one and another song coming up as my favourite song on the album. Normally it's this one, but then the other one comes on, I think, no, I think I'm changing my mind, it's going to be that one. So uh, you'll find out what that other song is. Uh, this is a cool two-song mashed together, but it's mashed together so well that you don't really notice it. And I think that it's so seamless that I hear it as one big, long song, even though they're clearly two different ones. I love the bass in this song. So much Larry Graham influence in this song. Especially the first, the first part, the Black Muse part. The rhythm of the, uh, the chords going on is that 1999 rhythm, although it's obviously in a much more minor key, that dun, 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 dun. It's the same 99 rhythm. Uh, yeah. There we go. It keeps, it's one of those things that keeps popping back up. Fury. Oh, when you, when rock you, and roll. when you get something good, just stick to it. <laughs> it's, it's a cool rhythm. Uh, you've got Eliza Shelby and Liv by the sound of it, um, which obviously gives away when it was recorded, that sort of 2010 to 2012 somewhere. I think he did play this on the Welcome to America tour a few times, um, so it was probably it's probably as old as that, 2010 or so. I like the ooh ooh, I like that sort of thing. Gives it a real spacey vibe uh, in between the verses. 
And it's true, true, ooh. Love all that stuff. I love the horns in this song, especially the second half of the song. Uh, well, actually, the first half of the song, the horns remind me of the song Train, uh, which was released on an old Mavis Davis album produced oh, by Train. Prince. Train's a great Yeah. Train. Do you reckon the horns? Yeah, I love that song. There's a bit of Train in there. Yeah. Um, I've also got what Player said. It's got a very fresh Rainbow Children sound. Turning the page. At 2.57, you've got the breakdown. Uh, and I love this breakdown section. This is so cool. It's very hiatus coyote, although it was probably recorded before them, uh, or at least before they were known. Very 70s Stevie Wonder kind of thing. I love the section at 3.14 where you know it sings The New Day's Dawning and it goes into this different groove. And I love the bass sound going on there. Oh, uh, It's the same sort of bass sound that is used in the song Chameleon by Herbie Hancock. Totally different line, but just that, that same bubbly... It really sounds sound. like something Rhonda would do, doesn't it? That's like fretless... Yeah, yeah it's a thing. bit of that. But I hear that more sort of synthy, bubbly keyboard sound from like Chameleon or something. Really cool. Uh, the drums, I haven't looked this up, but I reckon the drums are Blackwell. Just um, some of those fills to me sound very Rainbow Children, Blackwellish. Got a nice electric piano solo going on there, which we, we presume is Prince. Uh, and then you've got that massive section at 350 where the hell band and the vocals are going. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. I know, love the arrangement there. Do you know what? So good. I was walking around work singing that today. Yeah, but I remember I remember listening to the song thinking, this is great. Just that bit. And then I started speaking to you on uh, Facebook or something. And I'm like, and you were typing your comments as it was as you were listening to it for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I kept thinking, wait till he gets that bit. Wait till he gets that bit. And then you're like, mm, uh, I, I didn't get that. Same thing he always does. I'm like, what? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Come on. That's great, that bit. Okay, so by the time you get to 418, you're in the Thousand Light Years Away song. And this reminds me of All My Dreams. Oh, did I say that? Oops, maybe I didn't. Uh, the horn sound in that, in this part of the song, is really cool. Uh, they sound sort of synthy horns, but it sounds really good. And I love the way the chords are going up, and then they sort of fall back down. And then it's... And the whole thing's sort of going up and down the whole way. There's really tight turnarounds in this song. Uh, which, which is the same as a few of the other songs on this album. There's an interesting lyric about why the fifth is held forever, and I think that's a bit of a reference to, you know, when he has these songs and he always has this note sort of just hanging in the background. That's what I think it's a reference mm. to, holding the five. So, I don't know. What else have I got? There's a bit of Andy Allo in there as well, talking about seeing her in the mirror again. So, again, it's that definite era. So, yeah, this is a great song. This could fit on the Rainbow Children, like, totally seamlessly, as a few of us have said. And this is on par, for me, as the best song on the album. Ooh. And to the captain, what do you think about Black Muse? Okay, longest track on the album, 7 minutes, 21 seconds, or thereabouts. I like this one, and although I do like it, it also contains, probably for me, the biggest disappointment on this album. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I like the chorus, but when it goes to the minor bit, I like it less for some reason. I just like the, the major bit. Like when it goes in the bridges and stuff... Uh, I like the, at 237, there's a big cool, that's good, and I don't think anyone mentioned this yet, twice, once at 257 and then 306, you've got that big black muse, black muse, black muse, that's a really good bit, and now Toshiam said he liked this bit, 314, 315, the first time I heard this track, I literally just went, ugh, and turned the track off. <laughs> I know, sacrilege. Because I'm like... It's I was with, there to witness it. It was just so reminiscent of the just chucking a Latin ending on a song because he doesn't know what else to do. And I just I just turned it off instantly. I'm like, nah, this song's done. If he's doing that, this song is over. And I just turned it off. 
and it took me probably about three more listens before I could get through it. But now, now I like it. I don't like that part, but I can handle <laughs> listening to the whole song now. But the first time, it was just like literal, audible, ugh, that was the sound. And yeah, Toe Jam was there to, to hear it. <laughs> Terrible. But I do, again, I do like the bass in that part. That sounds really nice. And yeah, people are saying it sounds like Rainbow Children, and other people saying it sounds a bit like Stevie Wonder. Uh, I'm not that familiar with all of Stevie Wonder's albums, so I can't really say anything about that. And I don't really hear Rainbow Children that much, apart from, you know, it's got like the Rhodes keyboard or something on there, and it sounds a bit live. I don't know. It definitely sounds like those two or three albums leading up to Songs in the Key of Life, that sound, that, that bass sound and that... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Stevie yeah. used that a lot on those albums. Talking Book and yep. there's another one. See, and uh, Inner Visions and... Oh, Inner Visions, uh, yeah. Ful- what is it? Fulfilling this first finale. All of those sort of Songs in the Key of Life, those, that era. Okay. Now, this brings me to the big disappointment. At four minutes and 33 seconds, it starts to build up and I'm all ready for some big, heavy funk bass and drums and then it goes back to that same fairy princess turnaround and then a Jackson 5 tribute. No. 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 You just get this dun 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 and I'm like oh here we go it's going to be great and it's not. It's like the most disappointing three seconds on the entire album for me. That's a great turnaround it happens through the song that Yeah but not after that big build up. There needed to be something there and there wasn't. There is. There's a great turnaround. No. No 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 no. Because he did it in the in that other song that I said before, which was Groovy Potential. Seven Yeah, Groovy Potential, where it goes to that different bit. That's what I was expecting, I think. That because that's what it sounded like. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, Oh, here we go and it was nothing. It was just nothing at all. So that was very disappointing. And I know that's just my own expectation, but when you hear that, how can you not expect something's gonna happen there? And I'm trying to like the second half of this track, but it's it's hard. It's hard. I do like the descending horn and bass bit, which has been used on many songs and tracks over the years. Overall, it's a very good track, but I think he could have added a different track to the end instead of Thousand Light Years Away. I don't know which one. Another unreleased track, which I don't know. So that's all i got to say about that. Survey results, player. Okay, for Black Muse... The love got 61.55%. Like was 29.42%, giving a total combined of 90.97%, which ranks it first. Oh, first, but there's an asterisk to that. (laughs) And I'll explain as we go through the rest of the tracks. But so far, it's first. Track 11 is Revelation. And I'm really surprised this is not the last song on this album. But with that, let's just go straight into the music and talk about what we all think. So I'm going to hand this over to Toe Jam. Kick it off. Okay, this is a really good track in the vein of so many of these other slow ballady things that he does. These slow 4-4 ballads. There's so many of them. I'm not going to list them all. And um, this one reminds me of a, one of the Bria Valente tracks. A similar sort of sounding Especially the uh, the keys when they start. One of the Brio Valente songs starts almost the same from memory. Um, I like the fact that, again, this is playing with the tonality. You can't tell if it's really going chord one to chord four or whether it's going the relative minor to that, which would be one minor flat six. 
Uh, I really like the chorus. Well, I guess you could call it the chorus when when the actual words "revelation" are sung and the the horn plays it as well. I like the way it hangs on that fourth note, sort of giving that suspending sort of sound. Some really nice soprano sax, I think it is being played, uh, which I forget the name of the player. Is it Marcus someone? Anderson, yeah. Uh, Marcus Anderson, I think, who's playing that? Yes, it's Marcus. Uh, yep, I thought so. Yeah, that, that's really nice, actually. I love the sound of the drums. The drums are just really clean. Kick. It's basically just kicks and like a snare click and the ride, and it's just, just those three. It's just really clean all the way through the drums, if you listen to that. And it builds like these songs kind of do. And I like the way in that third verse where it breaks down and he sings that if ever, and then the the one uh, the echo kind of echoes it. Uh, it's really good. And, he, and again, it's Prince singing about his time and how there's no such thing as time. Um, one of the things that he's been singing about for about twenty years now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So Prince is singing about you know the task at hand that he's uh, about to do. He's going to bring uh, everyone revelation. And uh, he does this what he does a lot the last fifteen years. He announces the guitar solo. Uh, let me play it for you now. And then he does the guitar solo. And it's a very nice guitar solo, very spacious. Reminds me of the little red Corvette solos that he does live. He sort of, you know, uses lots of space and little notes and nice little melody going on there. And I really like the way it builds by the end. And he has a reference there about uh, all the haters. And at first, when when that lyric first comes on, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. But I like the way that builds. He's talking about you. Only could the well, haters well going to complain. <laughs> It could well be, uh, but I like the way that section builds. Uh, I think the song finishes early. It sounds to me like it could have gone longer. It, it seems to build to this climax and then just drop, and it just finishes. I really think it either needed another verse or just give it a bit more time to, to simmer out. It just sort of stops. Um, I like the lyric uh, when he sings about turning the sword into the plow, and I think that's a biblical reference, but as much as I pay out the Bible, there are some good bits in there, and that's a nice one. Uh, where it talks about this prophecy where people will start turning their swords into plows. So I like the way he references that. It's interesting because the song's called Revelation, but it really has nothing to do with the book of Revelation, perhaps. I, there's nothing specific that I hear there. But then there's obviously that biblical reference, and then he also talks a bit at the end about you know the Hebrew, Greek, and Roman hell and all this sort of thing. So it's, it's obviously on his mind, but like Prince, he always turns these biblical imageries uh, and metaphors into like sexual encounters with women, it seems to be. But yeah, this is a really good song. Probably my... S- tied for well it's my third favorite song because there's two songs that i think are equal the top one so this has been my third favorite song on the album it's a really good song and yeah it is interesting that it's not the last song that's my review okay so with that i'm going to hand it over to player to give us his thoughts on revelation all i've got is this is wow That's all I've got for this song as well. When I listen to this track, I get a similar feeling as when I hear Joy and Repetition and The Love We Make. Those two songs particularly, it's kind of the same sort of vein. I say wow to that because you're comparing this song to those songs. No, not... You're saying saying they're on a similar level. uh, Similar group. (laughs) Similar group. Okay. I'm not saying that they're equal or better than, but it's in the sort of vein. Um, the keyboard and synth make an overall sound sublime and haunting uh, sound simultaneously. Just brilliant. Marcus Anderson's sax solo adds to the overall mood. And um, Prince's vocal is really on point, really displays his dynamic range. He sort of goes for the you know really high notes and really deep, low bass notes. Um, the dialogue at the end about the color of the pharaoh's hand also reminds me that it could potentially fit onto the rainbow children concept, potentially. This is... Probably best track on the album for me. This is uh, Top Shelf Prince said he's best. 
I would definitely put it in. I mean, I wouldn't say it's better than, but I, I would definitely put it in the league of like joined repetition and beautiful strange and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of just seems like that was the kind of thing he was going for. Yeah, he sort of does these just rotating between these two chords and this dreamy yeah. kind of feel. And that's right. That's that's the thing. It's the the feel of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Captain Player has just sang this song's praises. I think he's impressed. You, you're the one that is either going to put him on the straight and narrow, or you're going to agree with him. So, Captain, tell us your thoughts. Okay, I'll just say, wow, I, I can't believe what play just said (laughs) this is not great this song is really not my cup of tea it's it's just weak it's weak tea that's what it is i'm sure people like it but this this reminds me of like stuff like breathe it's just super boring to me super boring i'm amazed that you know a lot of people online are saying this is one of the best songs on the album i i just can't fathom that that even that thought. Do you like Hallucination Rain? Yes. Think of it as, you know, it's not, obviously it's not Hallucination Rain, but think of it in that vein. <laughs> oh. Find another vein, Captain. <laughs> Open up another vein listening to this track. Anyway, I'll start off with what I don't like. I don't like the tempo. It's just too slow. I don't like that Najee sounding horn right at the start and through the song. I never liked that sound, that, that style. And, and you guys were talking about like the, the atmosphere of it. Those moody synths and that horn together, they just, to me, it, it just seems that he's trying way too hard to create a mood. It's just a big fail for me. I don't buy it at all. And I've, I've only said that about maybe one or two other tracks where, to me, it just seems like it's not an organic thing. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this moody song and I'm going to try really hard and it just, I, don't, I don't buy it at all. It's just a fail. But apart from that, what I do like, which is not a lot, but vocal performance by itself is pretty good. It shows his falsetto is still very, very good. Guitar solo at 345 is pretty nice. There's a bit where he sings deep in the ocean. I like that bit. And then that, that, that actually that whole last part, it really takes off. The vocals sound really good there. Uh, yeah, the last minute of this track, it's got something going on. And someone mentioned Rainbow Children. The only real reference I noticed was just that talking bit at the end, same old stuff there. But with a lot of people saying this is one of the best tracks on the album, I'm going to say I think this is my least favorite track on this album. And not just because people like it. I really I don't like it at all. It's just... So for you, this isn't Revelation. This is like apocryphal. <laughs> it's just... Oh, it's just... <laughs> bland and uh it just seems like a tr- like you said it's like it's in the vein of these other types of songs maybe it is in that vein but it's such a wannabe attempt at being in that vein it just fails big time for me maybe that's just me i don't know everyone else seems to think it's great so who knows that's all i got to say about it so captain pretty much slammed this track <laughs> and i have to say i'm i'm not really surprised now i'm going to give you my quick thoughts I, i'm somewhere in between player and captain on this i, I think it's very well done for, for what it is it's very well done it's a piece of music that is hypnotic it's at a slow tempo at a slow pace but there's constantly something occurring that's just beneath the surface it's just underneath the current i can understand some people listening to this and thinking it's a sleeper that there's really not much to it and it's just a little bit of a an experiment i like it i think it's dreamy i do think it's atmospheric it could go on and on i think a little more guitar at the end might have 
might have taken it out of that uh, might have taken it out of itself and really kind of expanded the range of the of the music in the song but really it's it's not so much about the music i don't think for this one there's really not a whole lot going on it's a slow dreamy groove that kind of levitates but above that are the lyrics and i think it's all about the lyrics you know depending on how you read them you don't know whether he's talking about two people sensually and that's it you don't know if he's talking about two people spiritually or that's it you don't know if he's talking about two people necessarily i mean it's it seems obvious but is it it's really hard to know and if he is talking about two people regardless of whatever they're doing with each other there's a historic element or historical element because of the last paragraph in the song when he's talking about english glamour casting cells uh, hebrew greek and roman hell until he finishes on the line about the color of the of the pharaohs, and now I, I think I know what he's talking about with that particular line, and my guess is that he's making a comment about Africa, and I'll leave it there. There's a lot more to this song, I think, than meets the ear, and he's communicating a message, but we may never know what that message is. So, is it all just a mystery? We may never know. So, just listen, enjoy, and be taken away on this ride of revelation so that's basically it that's all i've got on this one and player as per normal what do the fans think about this song tell us what the vote said what did the people say okay for i'll try and explain this the best i can the love button was 69.02 which makes it the highest love out of all the tracks on the album revelation like was 20.83 combined total is 89.85 which ranks it as third so in the grand scheme of things it's third and that's why i said there's an asterisk for black muse which comes first because i mean it's only like one percent difference but you know if you look at the second spot which is stare like the love is only 52.63 and the likes 37.57 so the actual like on stare bumps it up to make it second oh okay yeah yeah Yeah. come on come on well, this is where the, the, Come on! <laughs> the voting's kind of flawed. <laughs> you know, when it's you flawed because the they're totals... wrong. It's flawed because they're wrong. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing with this, with this uh, survey, that the like sort of outweighed the uh, love for On Stare and Revelation. So this, yeah, it bumps it to third. But technically, if, you know, if you're just taking the love button, um, this comes first, Revelation. Comes first for love. Oh, okay. Full up, yeah, at 69.02. Oh, that's a lot. See, it's it's got to just be me because everyone else, or 69% of people, really like it. Yeah. You need to listen to it like, um, do you like, what's that old instrumental that came out on that Eric Leeds song, uh, Eric Leeds album? Times Square. Yeah, yeah, but there was a long one on that. Oh, Dopamine Rush Week. Yes. You need to think of it like that and Hallucination Rain and Join Repetition. Like, think of it in that vein. And... Yeah, when I, but when I listen to Dopamine Rush Suite, I'm thinking, this is Eric Leeds. It's great. <laughs> and that just, that skews the whole thing just by thinking that. But I can't do that for songs like this. Are we on the last track? Yes. Yep. We're about to go into the last song on the album, which is entitled Big City. In the big city. Big 
I don't want to bring this down, so I'm just going to go first and then let you guys fight over it. <laughs> I heard this song in a live context, so I'll always have that memory of it, and it sounded a lot better live than it does on the album. This is, this is a typical up-tempo, funky, playful, cheerful Prince song, but the thing that lets it down is the lyrics, and just some lines like, something tells me this is going to be fun, really ruin this song for me. I really can't... I can't groove to it. I can't jam to it. It's kind of like, uh, what's that song? Get Your Groove On from Emancipation. This reminds me a little bit of, of that. Oh, Not MC, so much that it's musically similar. Why do similar. you hate happiness so much? Why do you hate joy? I, <laughs> what's I, wrong with you? What happened to you when you I were a baby? Joy. I love joy. I love joy in repetition, to be precise. But the thing here is, this is just too ditzy, too cutesy for me. It's kind of like good love. This is... This big city is the oh, good yeah, love of the new era. Oh, God. <laughs> that must be it a is. good track. If it's good love for the new era. It's good love with a, with a horn section, uh, with a big horn section and some really cool horn parts. And there's some cool bits probably around halfway onwards here. With, and Prince starts having fun. He starts loosening up with his voice. There are too many players on this to mention. You've got about five or six people on backup vocals. You've got five saxophones, six trumpets, three trombones, two keyboard players, I think. Yeah, isn't this like the 60s? It's ridiculous. It's huge. Whatever the hell it was. Supposedly. 19 um, or 17 or something. It would be pieces if it was Prince, wouldn't it be? But the thing is, it doesn't sound that way. It doesn't sound huge on this album. It sounded a lot better live than it does on here. Uh, And I'm not a huge fan of this track. I wish it was rawer. I wish it was funkier in a, in a raw, gritty way, you know? Not big city, more like small to medium-sized, gritty, like to the curb, funky. Minneapolis city. city. Not big city. <laughs> I want something a little bit different. <laughs> Spiritual, sensual city. Not erotic city. Can't do erotic city anymore. I don't know. Someone, somebody stop me. Somebody say something. I'm going to hand it over to Captain. This is a good song, and I'm not surprised MC thinks it's thinks it's the way that he thinks it's it's been a while i think since prince has had this sort of joyous sound on a track it reminds me of and especially as a closing track it reminds me of like sacrifice of victor in that way but there's a lot going on in this track which is total total opposite to some tracks on phase one there's some very funky bass stuff going on and that's that's before the first verse even starts You've got this big clap sound. It's only on the four all through the track. 2.22, he sings that line, uh, something about when you, what is it, when you're this low to the ground. And of course, he does that in a very low voice, which is is not as annoying as like when he says a plane and there's a plane sound. When he says something like that, I think it's cool. I don't know why. Uh, And this track, it builds and builds. And to me, this track, it also reminds me of some Sly Stone, Sly and the Family Stone stuff. He even says, "What is every, everyone's a star, everybody's a star. That's the Sly Stone reference right there. 320, you've got the funky bit, uh, some amazing horn work. But as good as this track is, I, I don't have that much to say about it. It's just, it's just good. And it's happy. And I like it. Because I don't want songs to make me miserable. And this song does not do that. The end. Okay, so, player, what do you think about Big City? Big City. I really like this track, and if it's like Good Love, then it's it's got to be good. <laughs> it has, for me, a real potential to be a hit because it's a very well-written pop track, in my opinion. 
the only issue I have with this track is its tempo. Prince really kicks this up live, and in comparison, it comes across a little slow here for me, but that's a minor complaint on a cool track. The second half is stretched out, horn instrumental, fantastically arranged. I can't speak highly enough for this song. This is yet another highlight for me on this album, Big City. I mean the big city! Okay, Toe Jam, you're a funky man. You're going to like this, I bet. What do you think about Big City, the song? Uh, all right, I said before that there were two songs that were tied for my favourite song, and normally it's whichever one, whichever one I'm listening to, that's my favourite. And just like in the same vein, when I'm reviewing it, I think this is my favourite song on the album, Big City. This is Sly and the Family Stone's Stand, Mixed with another lover hole in your head. That's the way Ooh, I hear it. Yes. Yeah. And that another lover hole in your head, I'm getting because that piano, that nice acoustic piano. And another lover has that same sort of thing. It's this sort of dark song, but it's got this bright, nice piano in the background. Okay. I love the bass all the way through this. It's so Larry Graham again. Once again, you get that wop, 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 wop going on in the bass. It's just such a cool groove. Uh, okay. Now I've got to say this. The first time I heard this, and every time I hear it, I always imagine. Captain and MC in New York City. <laughs> and they're in the big city. That's the way I hear this song. Because <laughs> it talks about, you know, they're in a dirty little hotel room. <laughs> they're in the big city. And at one point, there's a line that goes, um, and it reminds me of the bucket fiasco bit. Because it, it talks about, I forget what the lyrics are, but it's like, not you and me, honey, we already gave. It's just like, you know, they didn't have to put, and there's a sound of a cash register. It's like, no, no, we don't, we don't have to... <laughs> So when I hear that, I'm like, is there any chance that this is a song about Captain and MC in the big city? <laughs> of course it is. How could you take it any other way? You have to listen to it from way. that perspective. <laughs> what an obscure reference. Yeah, I, I don't know. It could be. Eh? I, I just love the production. The sound of the drums, the sound of the bass, the piano, the vocals, the horns. Every just thing, thing sounds bright and fat, and it's it's a really cool groove. Uh, I like at the end of each verse, it finishes with this, with this, uh, one of the verses is seal it with, uh, da, another one is a uh, away in a first car. It's just a really cool way to, to finish verses. Um, the song really swings again. It's got really tight turnarounds. And I've said that so many times on this, on this album, but all of these sort of live in the studio sounds have these great like turnarounds leading into sections. I think captain mentioned this, the part where he says, looking up when you're this close to the ground, you know, the up singing up singing low. And for me, I really get this impression of like, you know, we're, we're just taking on the world. It's like, you know, we're in the big city. We've made it and we've got all this opportunity and there's so much positivity going on there. I love the bridge. It just goes to this different key and you've got all these cool like little ragtime piano parts going on in the background. And then out of nowhere, you've got this funky ass horn section at 324, <laughs> which is, if you remember, the snippet of this horn section was released, I don't know, two, three, four years ago, just as this section. And so in my head, I always imagine that this is more what the song was going to be about. So when it... When I first heard the song on this album and heard it was totally different to that section, I, I thought, wow. And again, this kind of ties in with the song Stand. It's very, very similar structurally. Like it, it has that uh, major one to minor four back and forth. And uh, this song has that too. And then also in Stand at the end of that, it has a sort of, it goes to a different key for this minor funk workout. And, and this, this has that sort of yeah. thing as well. Uh, I like the way in the chorus you hear, I like the sort of diminished notes, you know, in the big city, sort of diminished kind of chord sound and... You've got Ladisi as well doing all the bebop, bebop scat. I, I thought that was Live at first, but apparently that's Ladisi who's done a few things with Prince through the years now. Uh, and I love the breakdown at the at, towards the end. Just everything's just really clean. That funky guitar is so such chicken grease scratch, whatever you want to call it. It's so good. 
and then Prince comes in on that bullhorn vocal, and everything comes back in, and it's just, it's just so fat at that point. I love this song; it's great. And it, you know, typical Prince kind of jokes at the end. He's like, "Where's my guitar?" And then the guitar's playing this weird thing, and he's, "What's going on? What's going on?" Now, I don't know. This might just be me on my maybe the I got a weird download, but mine has like I don't know, like forty seconds of silence at the end. Did yeah, you guys have that? They're all like that. I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. this is pointless. What's the point of that? So yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I hope I hope it's just a mistake download. and not intentional because it makes no sense. You, you, just when you were saying about those lyrics, like seal it with a kiss and something about a fast car, you just you just reminded me of that bit, which is as much as I like this song, there's just this one annoying bit, and it's just the phrasing of it when they say everybody's on the take. It just sounds so wrong. No, that's you, cool. People don't talk like that. No, I love that. That's. I like that. It's playing around with the rhythm and putting beats in different times, and it's good. Oh, it's like learn how to speak English and put the phrasing on the right words. It's oh, it's weird. I just annoy every time I hear it. It just I'm just like, oh, what is that? Anyway. And finally, we've reached the end. We've spoken about all the music, but we're gonna leave you with one more thing: the fan vote. Player, tell us the fan vote for Big City, the last song in the album. Okay, for Big City, Love was 48.47%, Like was 36.04%, Combined Total is 84.51%, which in the whole rank of things, if you haven't worked it out already, makes Big City 7th out of 12. 7th? No, this is number 1, number (laughs) 1. But see, it's 84%, and you've got... Uh, like Black Muse at 90.97. So it's still, you know, there's not a lot in it. They're very no. close here. Yeah. yeah. So do you want me to give you the uh, 12 to 1 rundown for those who... Yeah, I've forgotten. <laughs> can't remember. So coming in at 12th was Baltimore. 11 was Screwdriver. 10, 2Y2D. 9 was When She Comes. 8 was Rock and Roll Love Affair. 7th, Big City. 6, Look At Me, Look At You. And the top five, Extra Lovable in fifth, Groovy Potential, number four. Third was Revelation oh. <laughs> in inverted commas. Stare was second, and Black Muse comes in first. But the highest rated track overall was Revelation. And I have a challenge for MC. MC, if you're listening, I've got a challenge for you. So the last four albums from Prince, we've uh, done a survey. And mainly he's released albums in the last 12 to 18 months, but the material's been of the last, say, five years. Yeah. And if you look at the top three here, which is Black Muse, Stare, Revelation, on phase one, the top three were Hard Rock Lover, Thousand Hugs and Kisses, and June. On Artificial Age, the top three were Breakdown, The Gold Standard, and Way Back Home. And on Plectrum, it was Another Love, Wow, and Funk and Roll. So there are 12 tracks right there. Are you able to put those 12 tracks in a sequence to make the best album, the greatest ever. album over the last five years? I don't know. Take that, take that challenge. I don't know, but I'm going to give it a go. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say I don't think that's fair because some of the songs that were like maybe fourth or fifth on this album and maybe Artificial Age were probably still ranked higher in terms of likes and loves than some of the songs on, say, Plectrum or Phase 1. Possibly. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Possibly, yeah. It would be interesting. It would be better to do it, if you're going to do that, 
have just forget what what the what they ranked on the album, but just the percentage of likes and loves as the percentage. Yeah, that'd be interesting. The top twelve percentage rated tracks. Well, I don't know, player. Have a look at that. Go back to the lab and give me the top twelve songs based on Toe Jam's thing. But send me those ones as well. Like, just text them to me. It's not not text. I mean, put it in writing, and I'll do it. Right. Okay, cool. So, final thoughts, I guess, from everyone. What does everyone think? We've we've talked about the music. We've listened to the album countless times. We didn't even expect a phase two, or at least I didn't. So, what does everyone think? I'll go first. I think this is a really strong album, and I think it totally kicks butt over the very disappointing phase one. I think, I, from memory, I gave phase, phase one like a five or a five and a half out of ten from memory. This is a solid eight for me. I think i may even rate it higher if i hadn't known like a good chunk of the songs like extra lovable's been out for a few years groovy potential screwdriver it's like there's a few songs on this album that have been out for not just a little while but like quite a while so that's the only thing that's holding me back from really saying it's a super stellar album so maybe in five years time and i look back on it i might have actually scored this higher potentially but at the moment i'm giving it eight because that's how i feel about it this is one of his best horn-driven albums. I'm struggling to think of one that has as many horns as this album. And the horns are great. Like, whether it's the Hornheads or the new lot he has, there's so many cool lines. There's so many fat licks and great solo moments here and there. Horns are off the chart. And as a horn player myself, I really love this. And I see a lot of fans out there that aren't that fussed on the Prince Horn things. But, I mean, I think they add a lot to this album. And I think... The arrangers and the players and Prince himself deserve full credit for that. It sounds freaking awesome. Uh, I love the way most of this album has that sort of raw, organic sound. Um, the sequencing is a bit weird because there's a few songs that don't seem to fit so much. Baltimore, even though it's got that raw sound, it, it just doesn't seem to fit this album for me. And I think um, uh, Screwdriver doesn't really fit on here either, but had to go somewhere, I guess. So I'm going to give it a solid 8, and I, I'm very happy. After Phase 1, I was very disappointed, and I remember thinking, well, I know everyone gets that age. It seems to be anyway. It seems to be everyone get, reaches an age at some point where their favorite artist stops you know, speaking to them. And But no, with this, I thought, no, this is, this is the Prince I like. Uh, this is a really solid album. And I'm looking forward to a Phase 3, because there's a song that's come out recently that I think is one of his best of all time, and I'll leave it there. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Who's next? Captain, give us your overall thoughts of the album. Uh, I have to say, having heard a bunch of these tracks before this album came out really takes away their their impact when you've heard them before, you know, years and years and years before. It really changes the way that you feel about them when they come out on an album. And I know at the time we were happy that he was putting tracks out because we hadn't had an album for a while and he was just putting out tracks all over the place and it was great. And at the time, you know, I don't know if I even thought, will this come out on an album? I was just happy, you know, we had more songs to listen to. But now they finally make it onto an album and it's it just feels like, like old news and that I think that affects, it really affects my judgment of this album as a whole when you've heard half the album. And even other songs were like played at concerts or played on at the PA somewhere. You know, people have heard these songs before, like a lot of them. Anyway, 
conclusion, ToeJam says this is way better than Phase 1. I was thinking that at the start, but now I'm thinking it's just slightly better than Phase 1. And I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10, which is exactly the same score that I gave to Phase 1. But they're very different albums, and I like them both in different ways for different reasons, but I'm scoring it exactly the same. I found I haven't gotten into Phase 2 as much as I did Phase 1. I really got into Phase 1 after, you know, listening to it non-stop for weeks and weeks. And I did the same with Phase 2, but it, but it just didn't... It wasn't the same. And I think having known a bunch of the songs already affected that. So, 7 out of 10. But I'll tell you what I think this album suffers from is the following problem. And apart from basically being a compilation album from, you know, the best stuff in the last four years, this is a real Prince album with all the trademark things you expect on your average Prince album, and it seemed like he'd almost been avoiding making this album for a while. And, you know, it's the album we were all asking for, especially after Phase 1 and all the production and digital things that happened there. So now we have this album that we all wanted, and we're still not satisfied. We're still finding all these things that we can, you know, pick pick apart. If this album had come out at almost any other time after, like, maybe 2004 we would have liked it a lot more. And it's like Prince is like, here you go, you idiots. This is the album you've all been asking for, and you're still not satisfied. So I'm not I'm sure satisfied with it. I'm, I'm very happy with it. And I'm satisfied with Artificial Age as well. That's a great album. I'm not sure. I, I struggle to think which one I think's better. Like, I think Artificial Age is a better concept album. This one is probably on par, but it's just the problem that I've already heard half the tracks. See, you, but you've gotten into this album. But that's what I mean. In like five or ten years' time, it wouldn't surprise me if I look back and go, yeah, Phase 2 is the better album. But at the moment, I'm still thinking, nah, Phase is better. But anyway. So, that's what I think. All right, some interesting thoughts there. Player, how would you summarize your thoughts on, on Phase 2 of the Hit and Run project? Okay, this is a more satisfying release than Phase 1 for me. In a way, I think he seems to be going for a mini sign of the times with a range of different styles. You have the socially conscious track, Baltimore. You have the rock track, Screwdriver. You have the funky stuff, the jazzy stuff, the ballads. So there's a bit of everything on this release. It's, and that's why I think it's like a little mini sign of the times. Um, I think the biggest problem with both phase one and two thus far is the lack of promotion. There's been no TV appearances, no videos. So it doesn't really matter if all the tracks were the greatest or the worst he's ever made because at the end of the day, the hit and run releases will, in the grand scheme of things, just be overlooked. I think testament to that is um, A Thousand Hugs and Kisses. I know that that track's been released to radio in the US and our review on YouTube has gotten over 50,000 hits of people just looking for the song. They're not looking for us to review it. <laughs> so people are really, they really like that song and they can't find it anywhere. Like, you know, they have to buy the album, obviously, but... You know, that was like a really big missed opportunity. And there's, I think, moments in here that, you know, will be a missed opportunity. Maybe that's the whole point of them, hit and run. He releases the tracks and go. But in each decade, Prince has been active. He's in some way appeared to the masses to remind everyone of his greatness. And I'm still waiting for that moment in this decade that we're in. But back to the album, out of 10, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Wow, 8. A lot of high scores for this. A lot of high scores. A lot of action. <laughs> a lot of action here. What's your thoughts, MC? Well, I don't score the albums, as we all know, but... Um, oh, of course you don't. Of course you don't. No, you you're, you're just so above that. Yeah. 
But he does sequence them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, contradictory. Contradiction is my middle name. So I think this is, it's hard, it's hard for me to, to say what I was, I was going to say the sequence, the resequence version that I put together is really, really strong. And when I, I guess what I'm saying is when I listen to the songs on both phase one and phase two in the order that I like them, can you can you actually tell us the order that it's in? Because we're going to get so many people online saying, "MC, what's your playlist?" But be, but before you do that, how about you just review the album as Prince intended us to listen to it? How about that? Okay, all right, I'll indulge you, Captain. So, okay, here it is. This is my one paragraph summary. This album, as it is, without any changes, the album itself. It opens with a song that I don't really care for. It closes with a song that I don't really care for. It's got two or three songs on it that I don't really care for. And three quarters of it, I really enjoy listening to. So it makes it really, really difficult for me to try and sum up how I, where I place it, exactly what I think of it, because it depends on the context. It's really hard for me to score this album. It's got so much great material. And by great, I'm talking about Look At Me, Look At You, Extra Lovable, Groovy Potential, Black Muse Revelation, even Too Young to Dare. But then you've got things like Big City and you've got Baltimore and you've got Screwdriver and all this other stuff, Stare, which I think is, I'm not going to talk about the song again, but one, one thing that was missing out of my review was I think it's Tired. I think Stare sounds tired, tired and void of ideas, of new ideas. So this album's weird. It's like a seesaw. Some some moments it's up and some moments it's down. So I'm just going to say that it's a very listenable record, but I think I probably prefer Artificial Age. And I'm only dropping that in because you got, one of you mentioned it a few minutes ago. I, I think I prefer Artificial Age by a long shot compared to both Phase 1 and Phase 2. So if that gives people an indication of what I think, Artificial Age is, is still the, the gold standard, pardon the pun, for recent Prince albums. It sounds to me like you're giving it a seven. <laughs> whether, whether you admit it or not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I got a question for you. What's better? Your phase one, uh, resequence or phase two in the proper sequence, in the sequence that it's released? My phase one. Your phase one resequence version versus the official phase yes. two sequence. Yes. It, for me, I prefer to listen to that. Yeah. Which one? I would prefer to listen to the shorter, resequenced uh, Phase 1 version, the Rob S version, than listen to the whole of Phase 2 official version all the way through. <laughs> Such wow. torture to listen to the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not torture, but, you know. <laughs> we suffer for his art. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The final survey. Player. Player, yeah. tell us the final survey results. All the questions and stuff. All okay. the questions about... The different aspects of the album and all that good stuff. Okay, so I'll just quickly run through it. Uh, so everyone listed their favorite songs with the love, like, hate, all that sort of stuff. Question three was, are you satisfied with the quality of Hit and Run Phase 2? And by quality, we refer to the standard of the material, not the audio sound quality. 6096 rated it as very satisfied with 29.68% as satisfied. So well over 90% 
really like this album. We didn't really get that with phase one. So a very big difference. Question four, in what format did you acquire this release? 30% are still actually waiting for the physical CD. So that was the highest rated. There was a mention on, I think, Twitter, Third Eye, Go- uh, Third Eye Prince Twitter account that there is a physical CD coming. We still haven't seen it yet. So that was the highest score. 30% are asking for the physical CD. So... If it is possible, please release it in that format because people want it in that format. 18.73% were title streaming as a paid member. 12.86 paid for the official title download. 10.16 used title as a free trial. So that's about 40% got it off title. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, 40, yeah. 40%. Yeah. Which so, means everyone else bootlegged it, right? <laughs> yes. Well, it says, uh, I, I offered that option, uh, download bootlegged, did not intend to pay title or buy a physical copy, 11.11%. Mm. There you go. Thieves. So, um, after we launched the survey, it did appear on iTunes, so maybe pe- people picked it up through iTunes. Question five, looking at the hit and run concept as a whole, which of the following statements do you relate to the most? So 70.55% said, I like phase two better than phase one. That was the highest response. The second was, I like phase one and two equally the same at 15.98%. And third was, I like phase one better than phase two at 10.73%. So... um, 70.55% 70.55% massive <laughs> compared to the other two. Would you guess that the 10% that liked Phase 1 more were like the younger people and liked that sort of the digital yeah. stuff and the, that sort of production? Yeah, possible. I'd guess that. No, yeah. I, just, I would just guess it's the weirdos like Captain. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be in the 15% that's pretty much like it equally. I like Phase 2 slightly more, but... Yeah, I don't say it's way better. The next question was a really interesting one, which was, what would you like to see next from Prince? The highest was a hit and run phase three. Kind of discussed this with you guys earlier. I don't even know if there is going to be a phase three, but 19.81% said phase three. And the next one was 16.70% want a brand new project with new material and band. The most eye-opening response out of all of these, though, is Dead Last, which is 5.86%, said they want a new Third Eye Girl album. So <laughs> I did not vote no that. <laughs> well, not a lot of people did. So yeah. that was very interesting. So if there's another Third Eye Girl album on the cards, not a lot of people are looking for that. And... Of course, uh, we gave our out of 10 ratings and we gave our listeners the opportunity to do out of 10. For phase one, if you can remember, the majority voted phase one, seven out of 10. Phase two, the highest recorded out of 10 was eight out of 10 at 29.75% rated it eight out of 10. So that is the survey results. We got a lot of <laughs> interesting uh, comments on there. Um, there's way too many to uh, read out. Uh, thank you for everyone with their time with it. It's no, by no means definitive. It's just a bit of fun that we have. But it's, it's great that you all participated and we thank you for it. Read, read a couple of the, the funny ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Some commentary from the fans, from Peach and Black. <laughs> 
you know, some of them wanted mature albums that are really strong musically with brewing production. For instance, the 15 second samples of live jamming with the desktop computer that appeared on Instagram are more exciting and enjoyable than the whole album. <laughs> if you released an album in their vein with strong lyrics, I'm pretty sure my penis might just fall off. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> We have shout outs. Oh. I have a quick three. Lee Christian, Chris Lacey, and happy birthday, Girk. I know Lee Christian. He's that guy from England. Yeah. Who did the, he does the radio thing. Uh, I'll do a shout out to Marina and Candy and Mr. Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Hit and run. Phase two. Done. Until phase three. Done like dinner. Until we meet again. Thank you.